0: Welcome to the I Am Talk Kona Super Specials for 2014 with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Iles. Alrighty, team, welcome along to day two of the IM Talk Kona Super Specials for 2014 with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Good, good. And you? I'm actually feeling pretty good. It's yeah. Up nice and early this morning, a bit of exercise. Yeah, didn't cramp up too much on the couch. Well, I, I thought, because John's got, we've got a, what's happening in the apartment right now, team? Here's what's happening. We've definitely a better apartment than we were used to Yes We've upgraded, there's no denying it But I'm definitely the, 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 the annoying girlfriend from the past who's come in, aren't I? Yes Because the boys had a system and I've turned up And I thought, well, I don't really want to upset their system too much
1: Place the mess
0: God. Hey, I think I've probably done more cleaning than anyone since <laughs> I've been here Let's just clarify that And then second of all, so I thought, well, John's got the, Phil definitely won the Big the Paper Scissors Rock competition, didn't he? Yeah He did Did you think, because I was coming, there would be a nice thing to do, was it? Yes If you
1: told me you were going on the couch Phil would have been ejected into the uh, Because Phil's got the the en suite He's got the double bed It's
0: it's all happening And John's got a a room with two single beds And I thought to myself He's racing I'll go on the couch Now the couch is actually pretty comfortable It's a nice couch It is pretty comfortable A little bit short Yeah So I kept waking up Because my legs were a little bit uncomfortable so, but I'm, I'm 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 sacrificing for you, mate. Thank you, I appreciate. Cause, it Because I'm backing you. Because everyone when we're at the Equathon this morning, everyone's picking you to win the
1: race. If, yeah, the fe- get the fetal position going. I, I reckon was, that'll work yeah, for I was you. Sucking my thumb. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> so there we go. I talk Kona kind of Super Specials are proudly brought to you by
1: Endurance Sport Travel
0: Team. Those guys are rocking and rolling, Johnbo. I saw. There are quite a few people here. Oh, they have hundreds. Because yeah, I see yeah. their swim caps, and yeah. I see I even at the pool yesterday when we went for a swim, there was a mm-hmm. kid with a swim cap on. Mm-hmm.
1: It's yeah, just, it's all all yeah they do a good job. And, of course, Lava Java. Bevan, you're going to experience it. I haven't had my Lava Java yet. No, you've only been here a day. We, we we? had uh, John's uh, salad special last night. i tell you what, John, you're a pretty good cook.
0: Because we went for a swim. We, we, we did some interviews yesterday afternoon. We did? I didn't even realise you'd marinated the chicken before yeah, we left. I know. Came back and the chicken was marinated and then he made this beautiful salad, bit of chicken
1: and... It's beautiful. Keep it simple. Hey, man, I was loving it. And then we've also got... Our regular sponsors, Coffees of Hawaii, Extreme Endurance, and
0: Athlinks.com. And I'd say a big thanks to Bike Works here in Kona because they hook me up for a bike on race days. So, team... Today, let's, let's give a bit of a wrap up before we, are, before we get into the interviews. Okay, let's who, who we're interviewing
1: today. So today we have James Kanema from South Africa, fourth last year. We have Jodie Swallow who's on the up. She's a 70.3 specialist, has yet to really crack at an Ironman. I mean, she's had a win, she's had some great results, but compared to what she's done at 70.3 level, um, she is certainly one people are watching and, uh, yeah, could be. Could could be an outsider to take the one and then joe gambles who's another 70.3 specialist who has come here before and things haven't quite gone his way and he's ready to go out there and ready to rumble We've
0: got, we've got quite a few more good interviews. Today we interviewed. Uh, we've
1: got Tim Reed as well coming up today. we will going to put them in today. Put, put them in today, and then we'll throw in some uh, some of the listeners who were out there doing the aquathon challenge this morning. And last to,
0: yesterday we we also got out and interviewed Caroline Mecca. Who else did we do yesterday? Terenzo. Terenzo. A short Gina.
1: chat. With, short chat with Bevan Doherty. Unfortunately, but got, they got cancelled.
0: Yeah. We not get canceled, but they were we got cut We were
1: talking to him, and then they started the procedure at the New Zealand team breakfast, so or lunch. So, yeah, I made a fatal mistake at that. We had a team New John Zealand. John made a fatal mistake. <laughs> <laughs> we had a team New Zealand afternoon tea, and we started doing our. Well, we went. We left our apartment at maybe 11.30, something like that.
0: We had interviews. So we thought we'd go get some interviews, and we kind
1: of had to organise a media pastries. And, like yeah. and so we're doing our interviews, and we're sort of going, I don't know if I can last until 3 o'clock when our thing kicks off. And so I ordered a big, dirty plate of nachos, which, which yeah, really we good. Big,
0: when, you, when you hear Gina's interview, he had
1: half whatever his face <laughs> when we started. And so understandably, I was quite full when I finished, and I missed out on all the free food. <laughs> Gutted. Really and,
0: and 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 you obviously ate too much because even because we were thinking pasta meal for dinner yeah and we drive around the car and John goes
1: I think we might have salad tonight
0: <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> they're definitely not shy on portion sizes in America no, are they certainly yeah, not, not at all um, okay so so round up so day one's done we had a pretty big day interviewing and stuff yesterday uh, this morning we woke up we head on down to the water. You start to see a few pros. I saw a friend of uh, Fernando there.
1: Fernando or Fredino. Fredino has his, his yeah. brother Fernando. Yeah, brother Fernando yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I saw him there. Um, I saw Nikolanos there. Nice. And they're on their bike, so I didn't get a chance to have yeah. it because I would have grabbed my voice. Um, but you know, you go down to the water in the morning. It's quite cool, isn't it?
1: It is, I don't know why the pros go down at that, that time I was down, I went down early and I got there at about 6.15 and I was uh, sort of straight in the water and Crow, Crow was getting in the water at that time and so you can sort, of sort of get done and dusted and you don't have to swim through the melee of people mm. it's just it's just a nightmare swimming back in and um, I don't know why those pros turn up at like 7 o'clock it's just, just not going to get anything done and uh, they're going to have in every Tom, in Dick in and fairness, Harry there's probably five pros that's going to happen to like a lot of pros can go under the radar mm. like in Nicolanos, mm. you recommend people would have stopped no, people like Joyce C. Crowey. yeah, the ones that are a bit more recognisable mm, um, mm. yeah, but still because even if you go any other if you go between 7 and 8.30 it's bedlam down there but you it's any, kind of cool other, as well it is, it is cool but you go any other time of the day and it's sweet
0: yeah, because I like you know, like maybe if you're a people person you like that energy of that mm-hmm. kind of that crowd so you go down I have to admit swimming out to the boat the coffees of Hawaii little Cafe over this way was pretty cool, mm. so we got there and uh, we kind of met the crew, bit of a crew there, um, and then we started the equivalent. So we drove out, we swam out to the start. Someone gave me a, a bag of tin Yes, it was good, and they had a kiwi flag. Nice. I can't remember what the name of the guy was, um, but yep. So we kind of got the equivalent started. I started a ten second countdown. Yeah, Dave Dwan. on two. Went on five. Really, <laughs> went on five, and oh. p- and, and Pitcher Yeah you know they they went on five you know how epic camp works I've learned from you haven't they that's the thing oh you're
1: going two (laughs) five's five's being a bit rude yep they went on on
0: five and so and I I, the pick split straight away Mm. and I thought to myself which one do I go with the wrong way,
1: <laughs> yeah. You almost I, took out Javier Go- uh, Gomez apparently. Oh, was he out there? Yeah, and apparently you were swimming straight at him. Dave Fish was watching, and you were swimming straight at him, and he was like splashing you, trying to push you away and stuff. And you almost cleaned him Imagine out. Imagine
0: if I ended his career, yeah, that would have been well, not gold, but it would have been topical. Um, so that was very good. And then, uh, jumping into the water, I was well behind you. We was out of the you water,
1: were quite a long way behind. Yeah. Dave Dwan was just behind yeah, you, yeah. there was, I know. I know, I know. Yeah.
0: The problem was the guy, because I kind of got behind the slow swimmer mm. and you do the old, you break around and I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll sit and then luckily a couple of swimmers who weren't part of the crew came past and mm. pulled me in for the last 100 metres or so
1: but yeah, my, day, my calf was pulled. I was never going to chase it. Yeah. I was never going for it. It was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. I thought, um, Marky P, the Cooley freight train, was just going to uh, freight train it, dominate it, and it was close coming out of the swim, and he, he got taken down on the run by, we had, a, uh, we had a number of people that were doing doing it without wetsuits on, so the asterisk vic- victory goes to Arnold Sulikov, um, he was first in, and then Marky P was second in, but he takes the trophy for being the fastest man in a wetsuit on the course he puts his name on the trophy he's actually going, I've given him a
0: trophy mm-hmm. which hasn't got anyone's name on it and he's actually going to get it done properly nice my name Dave, Dave Fish. Fish and his name It's one name missing wait his name is...
1: no it's not anyway
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, is my name, missing <laughs> giving you crap. <laughs> um, and then so now we've come back to our room, it's nine o'clock in the morning here and uh, today is we've got a few more interviews we're going to be doing. John, um, Dave and I are going to go down and do some interviews at the Expos. So what's going to happen today's show guys, we're not really going to stop in between interviews and have a commentary on it like we did yesterday. Instead what we're going to do is we're going to do put an interview on and then maybe we'll chuck a few interviews in from the equathon challenge and then uh, kind of go through the interviews and then we'll do wrap up at the end of the show. So we'll get straight into interviews, we're going to put James on first, so here we go, here's James.
1: Okay, interview number two without Bevan, I'm doing all the work over here, he's just uh, lounging around back in Christchurch um, and we have a history on the show of absolutely ballsing up people's names. So our guest today uh, was fourth last year in Kona, he's had a sub eight hour performance in Rote winning that race a year or two ago. Won other Ironman races, including Florida, um, smoked many a course around the world, including Emberman Man and uh, plenty of others. So, his first name's James, and so we get the pronunciation right. Let's give us your your surname, James. kanema kanema I think we might we can almost get that one right. Um, you got fourth last year, but uh, the triathlon audience, chances are they may not know too much about you. So maybe just fill us in on, on where you're from and um, just a just a tiny bit of your history
2: Uh, yeah I'm from Stellenbosch South Africa which Mm. has become something of a triathlon mecca Uh, moved there a couple years ago um, and Jodie and I now call that home when we're not on the road Um, I started triathlon as a volunteer um, Mm. at Ironman South Africa in two thousand five,
1: two thousand six. Oh, that I'd would have been uh, it kept. A, what was it, Cook? Um, I went in two thousand. No, I didn't. I went in two thousand and one. Sorry, I was interrupting. I had
2: it. A- yeah, that, that was when it was in um, uh, Gordon's Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. when I moved to Port Elizabeth, I was studying in Port Elizabeth, yeah. and um, I was in a running group, and my mate drafted me into the ranks of standing on the side of the road and closing yeah. roads and stuff. Um, And I watched these crazy people doing this crazy sport and thought, these guys are mad, running running so much smarter than this. Yeah. Um, And little did I know, a year later, he had managed to get me a bike and was trying to teach me to swim. And two years after that, I was a professional Ironman triathlete.
1: Crazy. Um, So Jodie's also a bit of a – she's been more of a lifestyle – not a lifestyle, a lifetime athlete. You know, she came through the – the junior ranks and, and has probably been a triathlete pretty much full-time for a for long period. So, did you, you finish your study and did you, did you work b- between studying and becoming an athlete?
2: Uh, I did, but it was kind of with an eye on being a pro triathlete. Mm. Um, I worked actually for Triangle South Africa, who were the race yeah, organizers. Yeah. Um, and I finished my degree in sports science and I started working in the Triangle Institute coaching. Mm guys to do Ironman you know doing Mm. their bike setups um, lactate testing all that kind of stuff Mm. Uh, we had this uh, program called the finish line program where we took guys from never done a triathlon 10 month program through to doing the first Ironman Mm. Um, and I did that for a couple of years but I was always kind of looking for an angle to be a pro Um, Mm. I was working less and less hours I was coming into work later so I could get a morning session in and I was taking longer and longer lunch breaks Yeah. yeah. Um, and then at the end of 2008, an opportunity came my way through a series of coincidences and, and um, some generous people uh, to go and try out with the one and only Brett Sutton yeah. in the Philippines. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a, here's e- he Brett's email address, um, see if he's interested, um, kind of you know, send him a mail. Um, little did i know behind the scenes they were looking at bringing a tbb bike store to south africa and there was all kinds of politics but i knew nothing of this um and he replied with this mail saying i'm in the philippines for the next three weeks if you're interested get your ass here yeah,
1: so what, what is the process with Brett Sutton because it sounds like he does sound people out a bit and I don't know what his criteria is but what, was it as simple as that, he just said get over here and I'll check you out and tell you if you're fat or what the deal is.
2: Yeah, uh, you you tell me, I don't know what the process is with yeah. Brett Sutton and I was coached with him for five years Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he seems to just manage to pick the guys and um, how it happened with me was I was given his email address and said, just try. You know, I knew very little about him. I was not a student of the sport. I was mm. very young and naive and, and I didn't really know what was, what was who was who and what was what. Um, so I got his email address and I sent him a mail. It was something cocky along the lines of, I want to win Kona, can you coach mm. me? Mm. Um, and he replied and said something along the lines of, it takes a lot to win an Ironman, never mind Kona. Uh, mm-hmm. but if you think you got what it takes i'm in i'm in the philippines for the next three weeks get you as soon as possible mm. um, and that was it i i didn't quite quit my job but i took some leave and i borrowed some money um to to fly over to the philippines um yeah. some generous friends of mine um, triathlete friends said this is an opportunity you have to take it go um, mm. and about 10 days later i found myself in the philippines mm. trying out with team tv and at the end of that three-week camp, they offered me a spot on Team TUV for 2009. Nice. Um, and I went home and quit my job, and yeah. the rest is history.
1: Um, I'm really keen to talk about Brett a bit more later on. Uh, but in terms of the Triangle events, you know, with all the changes with WTC, are they still around? Because they, they used to run uh, I mean, France as well, didn't they, and something else? Do they yeah, still they, they, they,
2: they ran quite a few races, um, the Triangle guys. The, there was three guys from Austria, um, and it's a bit of a full-circle moment right now because... Um, they started the races. They did Ironman Austria, um, Nice, um, and a few others, um, including Ironman South Africa seventy point three South Africa. So I worked in the Triangle South Africa division, mm-hmm. um, but got to know the guys from Austria, um, the three who started it, and they're actually been inducted in the Ironman Hall of Fame uh, this yeah. year um, yeah. here in Kona this week. Nice. Um, they it's Helga Lorenz, uh, George Pitt, Pe- um, Stefan Peschnig, and George Hocheger, who actually were pretty instrumental in getting me into the sport they flew me over to ironman austria they flew me over to 70.3 monaco back when that was a 70.3 um those were my first international races um Mm. i i got well beaten at them but it was the experience that that you know fed the
1: flames he used to be half decent i remember that name from either the kona coverage or somewhere he used to be a bit of an axe
2: yeah he he definitely was was a pro himself and and he's definitely been to kona a few times um it was before my time before I was following the race that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, he he was an athlete himself and and then got into the to the racing the oh, yeah. organizing. So last year coming into the race, am I right that it was your first Kona? Uh no, not quite. Not quite. Um it, I raced here in 2009. Right. So I had just joined Team TV. Mm-hmm. Um it was my first year as a, as a pro, as a full-time pro anyway. Mm-hmm. Um and I in that first six months with Brett Sutton I went from my best result being 10th at Ironman South Africa to getting second behind Marina Van Huneke at Ironman Austria mm. um, and this was back in the days of slots mm. so I was given my slot for Kona and yeah. I was like well what's happened here I went from from a part time pro hardly making a living to um, qualifying for Kona and the, and the yeah. world champs um, and I was pretty reluctant to actually take it um, and I, I wasn't going to come Um, but i had a decent season got third at emberman and and was feeling pretty strong and brett said just go see what see what you can do you know Mm. it's the end of your season you maybe not peaked for it or anything but what have you got to lose at least you see what you're training for um which i did Mm. and uh, it was not a pleasant experience i got passed (laughs) by the girls and many many age groupers Um, i finished way down the order i was maybe me, I don't think I even cracked the top fifty in Pro Men. Yeah. Um, it, it was eighty-somethings overall. Yeah. Um, it was not a pleasant day. It was, you know, I got the the worst of what Kona can can do to you if you're yeah. underprepared. Yeah. Um, and at that point, I went back to Brett and I said, "Listen, um, I'm all for winning Kona, yeah. but I'm not going back there until I'm ready." Yeah. Um, and that was it. I didn't didn't come back um, for four years. Um, the the plan was to come back in 2013, mm-hmm. um, but. I had a knee injury and it was then the points system and mm. I didn't have any points. Yeah. So getting here was a bit more tricky. And then ended, ended up only getting here last year for the, fir- for the first time after that. So you,
1: you mentioned Embra Man there. Um, I don't know if you've won that race, but I know you've been second or third. Have you, have you won it? Or I no? haven't
2: won it, no. I've been on the podium a couple of times.
1: Yeah, contrast um, that. We, we were there in... 2011 we on a camp and we did the Olympic distance race and bloody hell man, I don't know how long it took me to do 40 ks but it was uh, a long lot longer than an hour um, maybe just contrast how it is doing that race compared to say not say a Kona but a, more of a standard Ironman in terms of your, your output during the day and, and how the race sort of unfolds because if people don't know about Ironman, it's basically your mountain climbing pretty much the whole way around the bike course and the run's not particularly easy either
2: yeah it's a pretty extreme race um and everything about it's extreme as only the french could do i guess Mm. um you start in the dark um in the the swim um so you're diving into a a dark lake following one little lantern on a on a on a kayak which is not fun um i remember swimming straight into a jetty (laughs) some looking up and seeing army boots and an army guy was pushing my head to the right going you're going the wrong way (laughs) no idea where i was um, and then yeah it's a 188k bike with almost 5,000 meters of climbing um, yeah. it's it's enormous you go over the Col de and a few other big climbs um, and it's it's almost an, an interval session with that many climbs mm. you, you focus on the climb Keep going. for a while and you, you then kind of try and relax on the way down the hill. Mm. Um, obviously, when you're racing, these guys are, are barreling down these hills at extreme speed. So, there's not a whole lot of relaxing. And before you know it, you're on the next hill. Mm. Um, and it's like that the whole day. Um, I think the bike back, the back time there is, is close to six hours every time. Uh, mm. You compare that to a four and a half hour 180k Ironman. It's, it's, it just gives you an idea of how extreme it is. Um, and then you start the run, and the run is is anything but flat. After you've done a, a yeah. massive 188k bike, um, it's an extreme race. Uh, I think my best time there is nine hours forty-eight. Mm. Um, my best time for nine Man is under eight hours. Yeah, um, it's it's just insane, but it's an amazing experience. And it's it good really prize money too. It's good prize money that definitely helps. Yeah, yeah. Um, paying you in euros and 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 they pay well so. Um, it's a it's an awesome event, an awesome experience, mm. uh, but it's certainly not somewhere you go to with any expectations. Um, it's a I'm I'm very happy to have done it, and I might even do it again in the future. I, mm. I really enjoyed it, um, but it's it's an extreme event, and it's you have to treat it as such. Yeah.
1: So if we talk a bit more about Kona, you know, coming in last year, um, you got, you had second and wrote, and what were your sort of expectations coming into the race in terms of how well you could
2: go? Um, I wasn't too surprised with fourth place last year, to be yeah. honest. Um, you know, I, I may be surprised a few people who, who weren't expecting that. Uh, but I had a pretty good run up and I was feeling pretty confident. Um, my my goal for the race, my, my ideal was a top five, um, mm. which I just snuck in in the last two miles. I, mm. I caught um, fourth and fifth place right there. Um, but, you know, that was... That was a, a perfect day, and I was pretty close to a perfect day. It wasn't didn't all go my way. I had some cramps on the run and I lost a bit of time uh, mm. um, on the run. but um, it was a it was kind of what I expected if everything went well and everything did go pretty well um, and got the fourth place. Um, coming into the race. I maybe expected it, Brett maybe expected it, um mm. but I was totally the underdog. I yeah. was I was the lowest qualifier. I scored the absolute minimum points <laughs> and managed to get in. Um so no one was really looking at me and and maybe that was a to my advantage, you know. Uh I was able to, to race my own race and and play my own race without yeah. people watching me too much.
1: I mean, um Tell us a bit about what I assume you were in that massive pack that was rolling down the Queen K, and then you know we were sitting back watching it. We weren't here last year uh, we were watching it on the on the trainer riding in my garage, and I'm just thinking, right, this is just going to be incredible. We're going to have a, you know ten, fifteen guys coming off the bike, and it's going to be fireworks on the run. Next thing, you bloody know it's just
2: shredded to pieces so what what went on out there um, well, that's pretty much my perspective too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um one minute we were all sitting in a group of maybe forty, fifty guys. Um and I was near the back at the beginning of of that ride out in the Queen K and it, it was pretty hectic at the back because you, you really bunch up, there's real concertina effect. Mm-hmm. Um you really bunch up going going up the hill and you have to really slow down and then when you start going down the hill, the front of the train goes really, really fast and the back has to really sprint to to keep up. Um and I moved up to to near the front um before we before we turned off the Queen K, and just when we turned off the Queen K, um, the predictable happened. Uh, mm-hmm. Sebastian Kindly came flying past the whole group, mm-hmm. um, and that was as we started that that long drag towards Harvey, mm-hmm. um, and that changed the race. You know, some guys were able to go with him, some guys weren't. Um, if it kind of got pulled apart, and there were gaps and 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 little groups and and another gap and that kind of thing, and you kind of had to. That was where you made or bro- broke your race right there. Um, I tried really hard to stay with that group, those those guys. Um, it was ended up being um, Keenley and Van Leder and Luke McKenzie. Mm. Um, and I couldn't quite stay with them. Mm. Um, and then coming back down from Harvey, it kind of bunched back up into, into little groups. Um, I came back in a group of five or six. Um, and, you know, it was... There was not a lot of work happening, you know. I, I could tell we were hemorrhaging time to the guys up the road, yeah. um, but there was a smaller group just behind us with Jacobs and Crowe in it, and there yeah. was another group just behind them. Um, it was really, like, like you say, it was carnage. It all just blew to pieces.
1: Is it panic um, stations out, like people go, "Oh shit, oh, get get out of my way," or is it, you know, people uh,
2: for a while? You know that I think Harvey's always a bit like that. Yeah. Um, that that climb is is really brutal, and when you turn around and come down, it's it's flat out, you know, yeah. and a few seconds at the top of Harvey can turn into a, a long, long gap by the bottom if you're not quite quite on it. Um, and it's always a bit of panic stations. But once we got back onto the Queen K, it was everyone kind of just settled into where they were. And it was mm. kind of like, right, let's get back to town so that we can start this race proper. Mm. Um, and that's what happened. You know, As we came back into town, I managed to, I was still feeling pretty strong and managed to ride away from my group of five or six guys mm-hmm. um, and came into transition with an 11-minute deficit on, on the on the leader um, mm. and, a, you know, a few guys in between me and the leader and, and a whole bunch of guys, you know, coming in and dribs and drabs behind me. Mm. Um, and then it was just a case of let's see what we can do here.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we, we often wonder about the guys' run splits because... We see what you guys can do in Rote, you know, we see um, you, know, you going sub, sub 8 and we see Ray Litt going whatever 740 and, and you guys putting in these amazing run splits. You, when it comes to Kona, we, we so often we don't see these amazing run splits and we look back at the Mark Allen days and those, and those guys are running sort of low 240s and, you know, you ran up to fourth place last year running a 251 or something like that. Do you expect to run faster or what's your sort of feeling about the run in terms of how fast you think you're capable of going?
2: Um, it really depends these days on, on the race, on how it pans out. Um, it's become more and more every year it it becomes more and more tactical. Um, it's a tactical event now. It's no longer who can get across the distance the fastest and, you know, it's no longer do your own race and and see where you end up when you cross the line. Um, you know, ideally that was, would be what it is. You know, everyone, the strongest guy across the line at the end of the day is going to, going to be first, um but it's not like that anymore it's it's tactical you have to go with the move when it happens on the bike you have to make sure you're in that group um, you have to you have to exert more energy than you are p- perhaps hoping to to stay with that group because if you don't you're going to lose so much time mm. by the end that you're not, not even in the chase on the run um, it's, it very seldom comes down to just the running race anymore you know it used to be the bikers do the bike thing, the runners do the run thing and we see who comes out on top. It was this mm. biker versus runner mm. um, mentality. And it's not that anymore. You mm. know, the, the runners have got their bike to the level where they can stay with the top guys and the run the, the bikers have got their run to the level where they are running, you know, yeah. very close times to, to the top runners. Um, it's it's the gaps are not so big and you have to race tactically and because you have to race tactically, you sometimes have to burn matches that you perhaps were hoping to, to save for the marathon to get you to that elusive 240 marathon mm. uh, but you have to burn them on the bike um, which leaves you without that 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 spark for the for the run and the times get a bit slower because the bike was a bit harder or, or vice versa. Um, I personally think that on this course a 240 is, is possible and you know yeah. that's in training for that and that's what you're working towards yeah, yeah. Um, but like I say it's going to depend on tactics on the day. Yeah.
1: Um, when you when you won, wrote in 7 hours 59 and 59 seconds, did you have any idea that it was 7 hours 59 and 59 and how pissed off would you have been if you'd been one second slower?
2: Uh, I would have been absolutely livid um, <laughs> but I was blissfully unaware, um, absolutely unaware. Um, at no point in the race did anyone say you're going to go under 8 hours or it's close to under 8 hours you need to push or anything like that. Um, the first I, I didn't run with a watch. I don't run with a watch, so yeah. I had I had absolutely no no idea. Um, and I, the first I knew of it was they do this like U turn finish where you run into oh, yeah, the stadium yeah, that, and you run yeah. all the way around the four corners of the stadium before you come to the finish line, um, and the first I knew of it was when I turned the, the third corner and yeah. I was facing the finish line and I could see 759-56 yeah. <laughs> and I was like whoa <laughs> and I'd been waving I'd grabbed the flag I'd high five yeah. people and um, I was in no rush whatsoever. I was celebrating. And then I suddenly realized, and I did this little quick step for the last 10 meters and yeah. just snuck under there. Um, and everyone afterwards, all the Germans were like, oh, that was so awesome that you weren't worried about the time at all. And that you, <laughs> you took the time to high five people and celebrate. And you weren't just. And I was like, I was completely unaware if i knew about yeah. the time i would have definitely gone faster <laughs> nice. uh, but it all worked out perfectly in the end you know seven fifty nine, fifty nine 59 is a is a pretty sweet time to finish right so so in terms of this year you know when i was um doing a bit of research into
1: you before coming in today i was looking through what your schedule was and then i was looking at the results and going where's your name um so, so tell us a bit about your, your year so far it does not sound like
2: it's uh, necessarily gone to plan yeah i wouldn't say it's gone to plan at all um I was in the luxurious position obviously after fourth place last year of not having to race as much and that was a conscious decision I made at the beginning of the year um, I've done many many races and, and and raced raced on the back of other races a lot um, you know under Brett Sutton I think in 2010 I'd raced 12 races 5 fulls and 7 halves mm. um, and um, it was a successful year. Uh, I finished it with four wins in a row. Um, mm-hmm. I won Alpe Duez, I won Rev 3 Cedar Point, I won 70.3 Austin, and I won Ironman Florida in a row. Um, mm-hmm. They were all three weeks apart, and I won them. Boom, boom, boom. Um, but I do think, and uh, this was a, a difficult decision, having left Brett, um, whether I should race less and race better or... R- race more and race at the same level mm-hmm. um and basically i'm looking for better mm-hmm. um so that was a conscious decision at the beginning of the year was to race less um ironman south africa didn't go to plan at all i was hoping to have a good race there and i ended up cruising in for a validation because i it just all went wrong um the reasons for that were are many and varied but it wasn't too important at that time of the year you know it was april um my season then I then got quite sick uh, um, I had been to Abu Dhabi and Abu Dhabi had was a, was a complete mess up for me they they screwed up my visa and I spent 48 hours in Joburg airport waiting to get there oh, arrived at the race with within 20 20 hours of the race start oh, no, um, no. and then I got sick on the way home from that and and that affected I man South Africa and then a, I was perhaps carrying that infection all the way through to 70.3 St. George. Um, and I really just had really bad races. Um, and again, it came down to that decision was, right, do I race myself strong and get, get back on track? Or do I focus on training and make sure I'm on track for the big races? Yeah. Um, so when I got to Boulder in the beginning of May, I, I decided that I was going to spend 10 weeks focusing just on Roth, making yeah. sure I'm, I've am i got the base miles, making sure that what I've missed now with the illness is is – in the body for the end of the season. Um, and that's what I did and it went really well. Um, I was in really good shape in Roth and I was very happy with my race, um, all things considered. I had some kind of stomach problem. I'm not entirely sure what it was. It might have been the the canal water. It might have been something I ate the day before. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, but I had multiple stops in the in the porter parties on that run. Yeah. Um, but having said that, I had a really good swim, swam with the leaders, um, st- with the leaders the whole way um, to a 420 and then at the end of the run even having all the stops and, and stop goes i was i finished really strong so I was pretty happy with my with my performance but obviously the result was not there I was fifth um, mm-hmm. which I was not too happy with um given the condition I was in but that result didn't really um show the the form i was in uh and since then my training's gone really really well um bloody fell off your bike at the 70.3 worlds exactly (laughs) so my training went really really well and i was i was feeling really good going in 70.3 worlds um didn't have a great swim and then yeah 40k's into the bike uh, one second i was pedaling the next second i was sliding on my head um it at 55k's an hour it was pretty scary and it happened really fast and i'm not 100 percent sure what happened but i pretty much put it down to a whole series of happenstance that happened all all at the right time. Just, yeah. you know, um, I had my bike worked on before I left Boulder, so I didn't have it worked on when I was there. Um, it was absolutely perfect for the whole race week. I did yeah. maybe 100 miles of riding that week and never had any problems. Um, and it turns out that perhaps my chain ring was bent or something from the travel yeah. and it just happened that exactly in the race at exactly that moment my chain dropped as I put the power in at just the right time and just threw the bike out from under me Um, it was just one of those things you know if any one of those things had changed if I had travelled a little earlier if it had dropped the chain at some point on the week before if I had not had my bike looked at in Boulder before I left Boulder you know all those things just kind of happened and they happened the way they happened you know Mm -hmm. Um, it was pretty frustrating um, but it is what it is. Uh, I was pretty lucky you know when you fall at fifty five ks an hour there's yeah. things break generally. Yeah. Um, I was very lucky that the only thing that broke was my helmet um, I got a few got a bit of road rash and a few bruises, um, but a week later, I was back in training. I was here in in Kona yeah. and I was training properly, and the training's gone well since then, so again uh the form is there, I just haven't proved it yet, yeah. so.
1: Did you uh, see the dramatic commentary coverage of the of the seventy point three on TV a couple of nights ago?
2: I actually missed that. Oh um, I've seen god. a few YouTube YouTube <laughs> clips, but I haven't actually. I, I actually I was out training. and I got back and caught the last minute as Jody crossed the finish line. Oh nice! Um, but we missed the we missed the whole show. So oh god, that
1: dude was pretty dramatic. Um, <laughs> so tell us a bit about Brett. I mean, we've interviewed Brett a couple of times. so We've asked a question, and then uh, half an hour later, um, we've asked our next question. But in terms of um, in terms of how you're training I mean in terms of how your training actually changed when you joined him you know if we take, take break it into two you know training one side of things and then maybe talk about the mental side of things but training wise how did that change compared to I know you're probably still pretty green but how did the actual training differ from what you were doing prior to being with him
2: um well yeah it was a lot of changes all at once I basically went full-time pro from from working my training around around work um, and that was obviously a massive change. I, I I look back now and I just can't believe how young and naive and you know I didn't know what was going on and I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and I think that was probably to my to my benefit. Um, I came into Brett Sutton's squad with no expectations, with yeah. no hang-ups, with no. Belief in certain training principles and certain you know training routines, and I need to do my long ride, and my long ride needs to be this long, and I need to do my long run, and it needs to be this long, and, and that kind of. I had none of that when I went in. I was I was a blank canvas for Brett Sutton to do yeah. his magic on, um, which he did. You know, it he he was able to to get out of me a lot more than I thought I would be able to get out of myself, especially that quickly. Um, it was certainly. It made my career, no doubt about it. Um, I could have floundered around in South Africa for years, mm. um, thinking I was doing well, thinking I was making progress, and and not getting anywhere near the level I got in six months um, mm. with Brett Sutton. And um, it was a, it was really hard. It was a really trial by fire, and it was you know uh, he called it boot camp, and it was exactly that. You know, we went to the Philippines that first. Camp for seven weeks and it was brutal. Uh, it was, um, you know, I look back on it now and I can't believe I even made it through. I, I don't, I don't think I could do that now, um, you know. Because being, of the, the training fitter, was that hard, or, or yeah, was, yeah, being fitter, stronger, and and you know, more experienced. I still don't think I could get through what we got through then. It was mm. just not only the training that was that hard but the lifestyle that was that hard you know it was just eat sleep train and suffer uh 24 7 you -hmm. know Uh, we finished track sessions at eight nine o'clock at night Mm -hmm. and it was in the pool again at six o'clock the next morning and uh, you know it was just it was just really really hard but Mm -hmm. that was exactly what what i needed at that point in my career and it was um it gave me what i needed to you know it kind of Distilled everything out, I, and and maybe indoctrinated me into the Brett Sutton school of thought. But that mm. was what I needed at that point.
1: Mm. It, it it seems odd that you know he has so much success, you know, and we're talking at the top top level with females. Um, yet there's been very few males that have um, succeeded at the top level. I mean, we know he's had good success, and we know that we can pluck names out of it. But you know, the number of really good girls versus really good guys is few and far between. And and you are one of the success stories. I mean, what do you put it down to that fact that you were that that blank canvas whereas most other guys are maybe going in are coming in with all these predetermined training training ideas
2: um yeah probably um that's that's certainly one aspect of it i think um you know brett will give you his own version of events and his own uh, reasons um, generally he what he'll say is that you know guys get arrogant and guys get a little bit of success and it goes to the head and mm. then they start questioning what he's doing and they start arguing and saying that they want to do things their way and the relationship falls apart Um uh, I think it was for Brett and myself it was a, a, a melding of the personalities we we got on really well I accepted what he was for what he was and mm. I, I listened you know I I was able to take what I needed to take and I was able to ignore what I needed to ignore you know when he mm. When he went on his hour and a half rants, um, you know, which he did, you know, I remember in the Philippines that first year, we would swim 6Ks in a pool that was way too hot and we weren't allowed bottles on the pool deck so we yeah. had nothing to drink um, and then we'd get out of the pool and we would all be like delirious and then he would sit us down and he would start talking and he would just say, I just want to say one or two things and an hour and a half later, <laughs> we're all sitting there completely zoned out, not hearing a word he's saying um and it was really a case of take what you need and and leave the rest um and yeah. some people really struggled with that and you know guys especially um you know they get fed up and you know some of the things he says and some of the, you know he he uses examples to make points and um sometimes they're not based in reality some of his <laughs> examples you know and yeah. and i just always laughed it off and i just focused on what i needed to focus on and yeah. that that attitude combined with his attitude towards coaching just kind of really worked for us. And yeah. um, it was a very productive and very successful five years that I was with him.
1: Yeah. So now you're obviously doing it. Well, I don't know if you are doing your own gig, but you know, I know you and Jody have both moved away from Team TBB and I know this is still sort of there, but Brett's not there anymore. So
2: what's your deal now? Um, I spent, when I finished with Brett then, it was this time last year off to Kona, um, I kind of thought about it long and hard and and came to the conclusion that i couldn't just go straight to another coach Mm. um there would be certainly you know a lot of what brett had taught me and a lot of what i had become part of my psyche as far as training um was ingrained and i wasn't going to throw it away and i was going to go to another coach and i would have you know we would have clashed heads straight away i would have said you know i'm not using that I'm not following my power numbers or I'm not doing that or, you know um, because Brett's way of thinking and Brett's way of training was so different um, so I consciously made the decision to not approach a coach um, for at least six months that was that was the deal I made with myself I was like um, I need to find myself I need to find what works for me what I believe in what was Brett's brainwashing mm. and what was stuff that I actually believe in that I actually am consciously you know, can't do without, and I'm not going to mm. prepare to change. um So I spent six months doing that, and and I really came to to a point where I was pretty confident in in what I was doing and and how I was doing it. um But at the same time, I, I also reached the point where I needed I needed someone, mm. you know, objective to look mm. at what I was doing and say, "Listen, you need to back off here. You need to push mm. harder there," you know. You might be feeling down, but you're just a bit soft. This is the time to push yeah. that kind of thing, you know. Um, and then I started poking around and, and, and asking a few questions and speaking to a few people. Um, and basically, what I what it came down to was speaking to Chris McCormack. Yeah. Um, and Chris was very open and very um, honest and very excited to To work with me and help me and yeah. um, be that sounding board, be that that mentor, if you will, um, to to keep me on the on the, you know when I needed the question, when I needed the answers, when I needed that someone to lean on, when I needed someone to say you know, harden up or or mm. take a break. Um, he was more than willing to be that person. Um, he was not you know people. A lot of people will tell you he's arrogant and he's you know mm. he's just doing it because he wants you know the exposure or whatever. Um, but I got none of that. You know, he was totally about my success and he was really invested and he's a real fan of the sport. Mm. Um, you know, he's really passionate about it and that passion was exactly what I needed. Mm. Um, so, we started working together um, and it's been pretty successful. You know, he does, it's not coaching the way Brett Sutton coached me by any means. Um, he's certainly not day-to-day on pool deck you know um, shouting and screaming and telling me what to do Mm. Um, but it's that sounding board that i need i can send him my plan for the week and he can adjust it or he can send me a plan and i can go you know we need to move that and i'm not sure about that and why have you got me doing that and we just discuss it and once i'm happy with it and you know once you can buy into your program that makes it a successful program Mm. and at this point that's so i guess it's a maturing
1: of an athlete for you yeah you know you you've Got a fair idea of what you're doing, but you just want that reassurance, or or as you said, somebody to kick your pants when you need a good kick. Yeah, cooking.
2: exactly. And and who better than Chris McCormack? You know, he's passionate, he's motivated, and he's he's really you know he really gives me that that fire, like you know that yeah. self belief that you know if he can do it, if he did it yeah. did it twice, he knows what he's talking about. Um, so have you spent a bit of time at Pura or not? I haven't been to Pura yet. I mm. uh, Just the the year was kind of already planned out when we had. When we started talking and started working together, um, it's certainly a possibility for the future. Yeah. Um, but I haven't done anything there yet.
1: So, so tell us a bit about your sponsors and stuff that you've got set up now. Um, I can see Savello there. What do what, what we got going on in terms of sponsors now?
2: Yeah, Cervelo, um I've actually been on Cervelo since I started my career. I've yeah. never ridden any other bike, and yeah. and happily too. Um, I love the bikes, and they've they they took me on when I left Team TV at the end of last year, and. Um, uh, it's been a very good relationship. Um, Tia came on board as the apparel and wetsuit sponsor, which is which is also nice. great. Um and then we've got a South African brand, Thirty Two GR, who is our nutrition company. Um, they start in South Africa. They've recently spread to Europe, um, and they're actually sponsoring the the Challenge Denmark race next year in Legoland. Legoland, oh man, yeah. my kids would love so, me if I went there. See, <laughs> so, yeah, well, Jody and I are planning to, to go there. Um, obviously, that's a that's a big race for them, and we we're hoping to support them. So that's uh, a bit of South African. Um, in my sponsors which is great Uh, you know want to support the south african brands as far as possible Um, and then envy have come on as as our wheel sponsor for jody and myself Um, you know really great wheels and a really great company to work with too Um, they're making big waves into into the sport of triathlon and it's pretty exciting to be part of that
1: Cool. And in terms of people following you, um, I mean, I know uh, I think your wife's a bit of a a Twitterer, and I saw her on Cupcakes with Cal the other
2: day. That was uh, rather entertaining. Um, Are you a Twitterer, or how how do people best follow you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm a long way behind Jodie's follow account. Um, uh, it's at James Cunema on yeah. Twitter. Um, same on Facebook, James Cunema. Um, so you can follow me there. Um, I do try. I do tweet quite regularly and um, I don't keep up with Jodie, but I think yeah. she probably tweets about me more than I tweet myself. Um, <laughs> but it's good for the exposure. We, we, she's really good on Twitter. So,
1: so um, Jodie's obviously had incredible success at 70.3 and I know she's had some good Ironmans, but I wouldn't say it's at the same level as her... Her 70.3s, um, You know, if if we think about Rennie running a, a two fifty this year or every year, she really runs a two fifty, and that must have ripped your jocks last year, getting outrun by one of the girls. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, is Jodie close to, to cracking? I know, I think she got a third in Frankfurt, but you know, again, when I look at her seventy point three races, what's sort of holding her back a little bit at Ironman?
2: i'm pretty tempted to say nothing and wait yeah. and see next yeah. saturday <laughs> okay sweet um she's in really good shape uh you know i've never seen her in shape like this she's mm. uh, she's certainly you know last year kona was like a third iron man mm. um she was she was very green around the gills you know mm. she it's it, it all very well saying she's been a triathlete for 20 years um but Ironman's a different kettle of fish and and she had a lot to learn and you know last year was a so a few silly mistakes and, and perhaps it was you know the fault of the preparation but uh, she didn't take on enough salt and mm. ended up with hyponatremia and collapsing which was a very bad memory for her here and that's you know I mean a lot of champions in the past have have carried bad memories here and have to, had to get over that mm. um, it's a tough thing to deal with coming into this race um, a lot of people have demons and Jody has a few from last year here now um, but having said that her year has gone sublimely um, mm. you know Third at Harvey and second at 70 point three worlds uh, you know mm-hmm. the trend is certainly moving in one direction mm. um, and she is is in sublime shape I don't want to put too much pressure on her shoulders yeah, yeah. Um, you know basically a top five here is is the step in the direction that she needs and and that's what she'll be going for uh, but having said that she's in in shape to to smash this race
1: cool and I will say um, James mentioned he's at Stellenbosch I've been there before man that is a, a nice part of the world and unfortunately though your rugby team's going down this year I don't know if you follow the rugby but it's on this weekend the All Blacks will be by the time this comes out actually I'll either look like a dick or not because the game will be over by the time this comes
2: out um, uh, you know what they say for rugby you need a ball <laughs> yeah. for Man, you need two
1: that's a good one right there we go Phil use that one um, awesome James um, we wish you all the best to race you know it was a fantastic performance last year and um, my god there's just it seems like a bit of an open field on the, the boys side of this, racing this year so we're looking forward to seeing some, uh, some fireworks out
2: there yeah it's going to be a cracker race so I hope we give you guys a
1: good show cool thanks man thanks
0: Okay, team, we're down at, where are we? We're at the pier. was not really, we're at the pier, aren't we? All the people are taking their tops off here. It's like a strip show, isn't it, boys?
3: Fantastic.
0: Okay, so I've got Moose next to me. Are you racing this weekend, Moose? Yes, sir. Happy, happy. And, and where did you qualify? Uh, Mount Tremblant. Oh, so recently? Some weeks ago. Wow, so what's that like when you're so close to the race? And you, have you done the race before? No, sir. So, first time so. So pretty rushed to get
4: organized? Just psyched to be here. Really? Psyched to be here. Excited first time here, so. And, and, and when did you arrive? We came in Saturday, and I've been messing around with my wife for a week, and then my buddy Rob Green came
0: in, and then now it's race ready. Wow, and, and what's the plan for race day? Um, just go out there and have fun. Just soak it all in. And what's is the experience um, kind of, of the week before the race leading up to it, kind of living up to what you hoped it would be?
4: Yes, it's fantastic, even more. Great experience, great excitement here in Kona.
5: Okay, so I got Rob Green. Age group of the like, week, was it two weeks ago, was it? Yeah, we, were, we both were. Still hammer track. Oh, the, oh that's right. Of course, both of you. That's right. That's right. Long-time athlete, John. Uh, oh, really? Oh, nice. Yeah. Excellent coaching got me here. Excellent coach. Where did you qualify? Pardon? Where did you qualify? Uh, Montreblanc as well. Yep, so seven weeks ago. We both qualified the same race. I imagine the uh, the accommodation wouldn't have been cheap, sorting that out, this yeah, close to the race. Endurance sports travel, man. Oh, so, yeah. nah, he's got the answer. He's got the answer. And you're doing the race, and you're going to do the Equathon Challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I'm doing everything, man. I'm, uh, I'm not missing any moment of the Kona experience. You're locked in for the whole week. Absolutely. And, and so how are you feeling about the race? Feeling really just pumped, man. Just uh, excited. We raced seven weeks ago, had really, really good uh, race days, and just now here is a victory lap and enjoying it all. So the attitude is just come and have the experience. Well, my attitude's a little more of I, I want to get a front row seat to see uh, John finish on the podium in my age group. Yeah. So that was really what my motivator to get here. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, there you go. That's the pressure on. There. I'm sure he loves it. And We got
6: Steve over here. Yeah, mate. How you going? A- and where are you from? Uh, from Australia. A- and where did you qualify? Uh, I'm in Melbourne back in March. Nice. And so are you feeling good about the race? Yeah, it'll be good. Good day. It's, um, it's a lovely place to be, mate. Whether you race it or just watching. A- have you been here before? Uh, 2012. Nice. And what time did you do that time? Uh 2012 was what, like a spectator year. 10:26, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And, and the goal for this year? Uh to go quicker than 10:26. Okay. Um, uh, okay. not not sure, mate. We'll see. Um, depends on the weather, you know. The conditions can whip it up, and then it can be all bad. Um, but uh, I'm hoping for a, a, a bit quicker than that. We'll go under 10, mate a hey, well, good luck out there, mate. Have a great oh, weekend. Right. I'm Johnny's next-door neighbour, so oh. I'm 1603. John's 1604, so... Oh, there
7: you go. Look at that. Yeah.
6: I'm going to put a zip-tie around him. He can take me around. That's mate. right, mate. He'll pull you through, mate. I'm sure he'll love doing that. Hey, good luck, mate.
0: Oh, I've got the Cooley freight train. Although you don't have the curls nowadays, do you? But still, the, the name continues. I write about you in my book. I give you a plug in my book, and I call you the Cooley freight train. Oh, you've got it. It's, a, it's how you sell books. You just tell everyone you've written about them. i written about you, and you, and you, and you. Uh, How you going, mate? Good,
8: good, yeah. What what are you doing this week? Just spectating, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, When was the last time you did the race? 2011. And and you aimed to come back? Yeah, yeah, maybe 2016. Why 2016? 50, 50 years Uh, old, yeah. Age up, is it? Age up. Age up, yeah. (laughs) And what have you been doing with yourself? a little bit of kite surfing, a little bit of Epic Camp, a little bit of, uh, yeah, rolling around the world. How would
0: you find Epic Camp Canada?
8: It was good, beautiful, absolutely, Yeah. yeah, the best, the best one. More
0: importantly, how do you find kite Because people like die doing that crap, don't they? Because they yeah, get flown away. They can, yeah.
8: It's a little dangerous. There's no more danger than riding on a white line on the side of a road with cars behind you. Is it a buzz? Uh it's a buzz. It's yeah. a, it's addicting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, what your you pick for the weekend? Uh Newsom. win the age group. Newsom win the age group. There we go. No pressure, Newsom. No, no pressure. How good seeing you, mate. Bring it on. We've got the defending
0: champion here, Dave Fish, uh, he's, he's, he's looking like he's just psyching out the rest of the competitors, you know, he's got
8: those evil focused eyes, although I don't know how many competitors we're going to have. Hey, you you're racing today? I am going to retire the greatest champion this event has ever known. You're not even defend. Two year defending champion. <laughs> Last year we didn't have the event obviously because we weren't here.
5: It's oh, not my fault.
8: <laughs> out of my control. Are <laughs> hey, you racing this weekend? Yeah. How yep.
9: You how
5: you feeling? Good, good. So far so good. What's the plan?
8: Swim easy, bike easy, and run. Dave, Dave, Dave Dom was pretty impressed with you because he said that uh, you started in '82, was it? Yeah, first Ironman 1982. Yeah, been at it for a long time. Figured I better check this one off the box
10: while uh, while my hip and everything can uh, can still handle it. So, so
8: what? Last chance, or you just keep going until you can't go? Maybe keep going until I can't go, but I might uh, I might be a 70.3 specialist. Nice,
9: nice.
8: <laughs>
0: Bring on the wheelchair, eh? Bring on the wheelchair to the
11: end. <laughs> exactly. Okay, here we go. Arnold, Arnold, Arnold. Where you from? I'm French, but I'm living in
0: Singapore. You know, I wish I had an accent like
11: yours. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, We are there. We arrived there on uh, when Thursday last week. Yeah. So um, it's always good to be back there.
0: Have uh, Have you done the rest before?
11: Yeah, I've done it uh, the past two years. And how have you gone in the past? Um, 2012 was okay. Uh, I went 9.33. Yep. So I was 11 in my age group. I was really happy with that. And um, last year I melted down a bit on the run, and uh, I went 9.43. Okay. So, but well, really happy to be back. And uh, what's
0: the goal for this year?
11: Um, I've changed age group. I'm 45, 49 now. So. Um, I don't want to talk about <laughs> anything, but I had a good season so far. I went some nine in Roth, so um, I would be happy. I, I think if I have a perfect race, I think I can go maybe around 920. And where would that get you in the edge group? Is it like, obviously, podium?
0: Around that. <laughs> <laughs> play it down, play it down, play it down. Most, most the world. When you've been here a few times, uh, what's the experience coming back again and
11: again? For me, it's funny because I started triathlon. 25 years ago. I was a bit like a Cooch Potato guy and uh, I just saw a few seconds of Mark and Dave running on Ali drive so I think it was always been there for me and um, so the first time I came there was just like a dream. Uh, At some point I was just desperate to come here and I I just I was thinking I I wouldn't make it anyway so and when I finally made it, it was really nice and just coming back it's just like you know when you have a nice Girlfriend, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's nice. A to girlfriend, go. you always want to go back to exactly, and uh, and I just feel a bit like home. And if tomorrow I can find an in, just a job that can be making a living there, yeah. we will just move there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. Hey, well, thank you very much, and uh, good luck. Good luck for the weekend.
1: Righty ho! Next up on our Kona Super Specials, uh, we have. I think she's, in, she's an Essex girl. She's uh, seventy point three. World champion from 2010 and to, uh, second in 2014, just a few weeks ago. She also won the long distance ITU world champs, had a third in 2012, um, a 2004 Olympian, and a Twitter extraordinaire. Also a junior um, medalist at 400 IM, which is always impressive, and uh, a 5,000 metre record holder for British students. Her name's Jodie Swallow, so welcome along to the show, Jodie.
4: Thanks for
1: having me. Just come in a bit closer so we can uh, make sure we hear you okay. And uh, I've got to apologise, we've got no, no cupcakes or anything like that here for you this time around, um, but I won't be taking the piss out of you either, um, oh, like my, my fellow Kiwis who I bumped into yesterday. Um, you've been a full-time athlete for a long time, so um, how, how the hell do you keep the desire and motivation there for, for such a long time?
4: I think it's the case of not knowing any better, to be honest. <laughs> um, I haven't ever had a, a conventional job. Um, been doing this since I was basically 10 because swimming starts so early and I'm up every morning before school then and it was not, not you know, it wasn't a job then but it was certainly of job hours and um, yeah, I mean, I obviously love it. Yeah. Um, but then I don't know any different.
1: Yeah. So what what got you into the swimming? Was it your parents sort of pushing into that or you just have a na- na- you know, natural affinity to the water?
4: Well, my mum and dad actually haven't ever seen me swim um, other than in racing. They never came to watch training and they just kind of dropped me off. Uh, they were both teachers and they dropped me off after they'd finished work and kind of as a babysitter, I guess. Yeah. Um that's a bit unfair they took me to a lot of clubs and i yeah. kind of attached myself to the swimming i've got an older sister who was also very good so i i attached myself to trying to beat her and yeah. and that kind of led into things I, i'm a natural hard worker so it kind of it kind of built and built and built and i was into it at a pretty young age
1: yeah so uh 400 im do you remember what you spanked that out in?
4: um i think my pb was 448 i don't Cry. think i could do that now though
1: what can you do a 400 in now
4: um, well, my PB back then was 4.23. Yeah. I, I'd say 4.30 now. Oh, still pretty solid. Yeah.
1: Still pretty yeah. solid. So um, when did triathlon sort roll into, of roll into the game?
4: Um, when in – my first one was in 2000. Uh-huh. Um, I did The first one I did was a Windsor triathlon. It's quite a famous one mm. in the UK. And I came second there and qualified for European juniors, which I then won. And mm. um, that was the ball rolling. I was on the national lottery program, transferred from swimming to – Um, triathlon, and yeah, I've been looked after all my life, really, so I'm pretty lucky.
1: So back then, was it, um, obviously they were building up towards London, and and was that really... Was there a big Talent ID program? Because we just see you, you, POMs, at the moment just dominating every distance, you know, males, females, juniors, everything. Um, did it really start around about then and they were just pumping huge money in with massive Talent ID and looking after people like yourself?
4: Not really Talent ID so much. I mean, I went to university at Loughborough and that mm-hmm. just happened to be the triathlon centre. Mm-hmm. Then again, I might have gone to Bath, which was my other choice, and that, no, again, was know, a, a triathlon, triathlon centre. So it was kind of a bit of a destiny for me. Yeah. Um, we were... That age, the 81, 82 age group, were the first kind of era in in that where the money started coming in from the national lottery. And, um, yeah, I think it's making a big difference now. But then again, I also think that some of the attributes of British people in general and um, the culture also nurtures quite hard, tough competitors that like to work hard and kind of put the hours in. So um, it's a combination of those two things. You can't really attribute it to staff or money as much as – you know um endeavor and and kind of talent as well so it's a balance of the two
1: yeah nice um so you know you rolled around and you got into the uh, well I know it was a drama you know getting yourself to to Athens um, you you raced here last year maybe give us a contrast of when you're you know standing on an ITU standing on the start line in uh Athens and then last year you're bobbing in the water in Kona we think Kona is a, is a massive deal and it's a pressure cooker maybe give us a contrast on on those two experiences for you
4: well I think that's quite hard for me to do because I was obviously there was a whole lot of um stuff underlying um coming into Athens and I wasn't necessarily on the start line in in good psychological um yeah. uh, psychological condition or physical condition so yeah. it's different I mean Although this is the Ironman World Champs and it's a really, really big deal yeah. to win this race would just kind of put a full stop on my career in terms of um, I would I would cement everything that I think that I can do. Yeah. However, it's every year yeah. and we get another chance every year with the Olympics. You get a chance every four years. And that also depends on kind of how old you are when the four years rolls around. Yeah. It's not as bad as gymnastics where you've kind of got one chance but not many people get two or three chances at the Olympics. So it's mm. kind of a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Mm. I, I'm glad I did it, but I didn't get, I didn't get good stuff come from it and yeah. I didn't um, enjoy it so much. However, you know, it kind of built my future, yeah. as it were.
1: Yeah. So switching over to Ironman... Um you know, you had some great success with 70.3s. Last year you did three Ironmans. Um, you had a first in Sweden, a second in Frankfurt, and then Kona we'll talk a little bit about. But, um, you know, how's the transition been getting across to Ironman? Um, you know, the 70.3 success has been awesome and you've had some good results with Man, but, you know, how, how have you found Iron
4: um, Man's tough. It's really mm. tough and it's also a learning curve. Um, James kind of pointed out to me today that, this will be my um my seventh Ironman and Mm. most people here have done like 30 to you know um although I've been in the sport a long time I haven't been in the Ironman sport a long time and people tend to forget that um kind of asking when I'm going to deliver and so and so (laughs) but I'll deliver one day and it'll be good so hopefully it'll be next Saturday if it's not there's a couple more years left in me and um yeah, I'm looking forward to learning and, and and progressing and certainly each race I've done shows progression yeah. Um. and, you know, the field's moving on and hopefully I'm pushing that forward too, so that's good. Do you enjoy it? Is, I mean,
1: enjoyment factor for Olympic distance versus Ironman, is it different? Do you like it more, you know, just a long slog or do you miss sort of being out there absolutely drilling it?
4: I absolutely love racing, full yeah. stop, Um. and if I have the opportunity to race over anything else, our race. Um I always thought I loved Iron Man more and then I did high V fifty one fifty and got a lot more money for a very short <laughs> span of time. Yeah. I really enjoyed that to be honest. Yeah. Um but I've got stuff to do on this long stuff so I'll keep on that until I've done it.
1: Cool. So um this year, you know, I, I, saw, I remember in Frankfurt, I saw a YouTube clip, you know, you, I think you were leading leading there. Um, maybe tell us a bit about that race and also um, some of your other races p- leading up to 70.3 Worlds.
4: Um, well, Frankfurt was the only bad race of the whole year that yeah. I've done, um, although it actually wasn't such a bad performance. The yeah. um, circumstances in the race meant that the age group um, packs came in amongst the back females, dragged them up, and they had fresh um, legs for the marathon, which I didn't have fresh legs for the marathon. So um, I was really pleased with the way I handled it within the race um, up to the last 10K. But that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory that if people pass you when you've, you know, had one of the best races of your life, you're going to be a bit devastated. So Um, other than that, um, leading up to... 70.3 Worlds. I placed third in High V the week before. Um, Got a good um, salary paycheck cemented, and that kind of took a lot of confidence into 70.3 Worlds because I obviously knew I'd just run a 36 flat and. I was biking well, so it kind of took a lot of pressure off, even though people were saying it was kind of too close to the, yeah. the start line. I think when you do Ironman an Olympic distance a week before, 70.3 yeah. isn't going to do too much damage.
1: What's hy like? Because it gets bugger-all coverage in terms of, I mean, it gets some coverage, but considering the prize money, I would have thought it's got to be splashed everywhere, but what's it like as an event?
4: It's very well organised, and yeah. the people that run it are very passionate. There just seems to be a bit of a... Um, A delay on the marketing side of it whether they don't see the need to market it or um don't know how to do it i'm not sure but there's definitely um it's a bit delayed on that side however they really do look after the professional athletes and they cater to our race over than over maybe the mass participation as well so it has got huge potential i hope that it can survive and that it can develop Um, But I don't see how it will do that without the marketing that they need to kind of address.
1: Yeah, and obviously 70.3 was a pretty fantastic race. You're stoked with how that went?
4: Yeah, really stoked. Um, Obviously, I want to win championships, Mm. but when you, you know, the closest place is second, and Mm. when someone like Daniela puts in that performance, I did everything I could. Um, If I did it again tomorrow, I'd do things slightly differently, but on the day I gave what I had, so it's good.
1: Smash the bike a bit harder, or what would you have done differently?
4: I would have swum better.
1: Yeah,
9: yeah,
4: yeah. Um, yeah I, actually, my old coach Brett Sutton pointed it out, and I think that I could have swum a bit better and got a little bit of a a gap on that first group. Yeah. Um, not that it might may have changed the complete dynamics, but it changes mindset and it changes attack. So, yeah. um, if I'd have got onto the run with Daniela, yeah, I'm not sure the result would have been the same, and that's kind of. That's depressing to think, but you know, you can't you can't do everything all the time, yeah. and I'm glad to get another medal at Worlds.
1: So last year um, you race here. Um, talk us through that. I'm really keen to know what it was like on the on the bike specifically as well, because I, I I didn't actually see if, I don't think you were first out of the swim, but I'd imagine you were you were right up there. But then. There was a real pack on the bike there, so maybe maybe talk us through um, sort of that part of the race.
4: I was just on um, Hayley Chura's feet last right. year. There was um, a whole pack exited the water together, which was quite surprising, yeah. knowing myself and Hayley's credentials as swimmers. I don't know what happened.
9: Yeah.
4: Um, the bike was quite a frustrating affair. Um, we all pulled together till the descent from Harvey, and then um, Rachel and Meredith broke away. Um, coming coming on to kind of like maybe with 80k to go and yeah. I bridged up at about 60k to go. Yeah. So the three of us, um, they got a bit of time on me coming back down Pilani, um, and I came off the bike in third and then the headache began. <laughs> um, but yeah, the bike last year, it was good from with what I had. Um, I'm on a different level this year, so yeah. we'll see how it goes.
1: So was there any chatter on the bike out there? Because... I would imagine you girls all know that chances are if Rennie runs 250 um she's going to be closing it down on some of you girls was there any chatter out there amongst yourselves going come on let's you know let's haul some ass here or was everybody you know contributing fairly well
4: I don't think it it was a case of not hauling ass I think Rennie rode very well yeah. um you know you don't know what's going on behind um but the pack that I was riding in um it's quite a long distance here between people. It's 12 yeah. metres. There's not much communication because of that. Yeah. Um, I know it's always supposed to be 12 metres, but it isn't always that that way in races that I've seen. But it is here, and, you know, with the roaring wind and the pressure on the day, there's not much communication that went on, no.
1: Mm-hmm. What about getting here for this year? Because, um, you know, James, your partner, was in a great position um, when he finished uh, fourth last year you know, it basically has to just go and validate somewhere. Um, you have no, you know, you come out of here with no points. Um, so how how did you sort of plan your year in terms of uh, making sure you, you qualify or did you just sort of go, these are the races I'm doing and if I get here, I get here. And how did you sort of plan your season?
4: Well, I've come to Kona twice now, not having mm. points from Kona the year before. Mm. Um, and I haven't really thought it as a problem. Um, I think that, you get enough points if you perform well throughout the year. Mm. And I was confident that I'd do that with Siri coaching me. So mm. it wasn't a kind of attack point situation. Um, you know, it is it, it is tougher for the women with 35 spots. Mm. It is. But I think that when you look down the list, the, the top 35 are here and they're justified to be here.
1: Nice. Um, so tell us a bit about, uh, people want to follow you. It's... Um, I was on your website earlier I Follow the Swallow, is that, I, I, yeah. how do you say your website?
4: I, I follow the swallow.co.uk
1: Good, and um, in terms of Twitter side of things?
4: Jodie Swallow
1: Jody Swallow, and uh, you've got a little bit, You've got a, Magnus Backstead was our first uh, interviewee since I've been over here, you've got a little bit of work to catch him up, he's at, uh, was he at Phil? 29,000? 20, but, but you, 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 are you are you the leading triathlete uh twitter follow with twitter followers or not
4: i have no idea oh. it's not one of my main aspirations <laughs> in life okay. um hopefully I'll, I'll put in a good performance in the ironman and you know good things come from things like that <laughs>
1: And I know you've, you, I've seen a number of interviews you've done. Um, you're quite passionate in, in a few other areas. Is, is there any things that you sort to—you of like to get off your chest or, or trying to promote in terms of um, um, either quite, you know, numbers of females on the start line or anything else you're have sort of uh, are passionate about that you try to you know, get, use your profile to get the word out there?
4: Well, I have tried to use my profile in terms of the 20-minute gap between pro females and age groupers, but mm. it didn't work this year it was supposed to be 25 and they cut it to, first they cut it to 15, then they changed it to 20. I mm-hmm. think that may affect the race, um, but it's something we're all gonna have to deal with and hopefully the draft busters will be out there on the second pack as well so that it doesn't affect the result as much as it could. Mm. Um, the second thing would be, just to talk about Clean Protocol, which is a new, um, a new partner system to the WADA program for drugs. And it's, um, it involves kind of proving that you're clean, Rather mm. than proving that you're not taking drugs, mm. as it were, um, it involves lie detector tests, and um, it's something that we're kind of both me and James kind of see as a really good future for the sport, uh, for clean athletes in the sport to prove that they're clean to their sponsors and to the public, and we're undertaking it for the Kona Champs, and um, hopefully other pros will follow following line.
1: So. Sponsors are going to be paying for the who's going to be footing the bill for this?
4: They fund it themselves. It's a it, they um they have private sponsors and investors, um, people that are interested in clean sport.
1: Nice. Um, because I uh, in terms of testing for you guys, um, I, I think I saw on Corrine Abraham, she had a knock on the door from UK testing uh today or yesterday or something like that. Do you get tested regularly or or how does it work in terms of the UK side of things and WTC/slash wider?
4: Well, I'm certainly tested very regularly mm. um, because I'm on the, the WTC testing pool. Mm. However, there's only 10 females on that. Mm. And I also got tested by UKAD the other day, but that was the first one for the whole year. So right. that's not necessarily, you know, conclusive in terms of, um, uh, you know, proving that you don't take drugs. Um, however, James, who finished fourth last year, hasn't been tested by WTC since, since March. Right. So, kind of, I see holes in the system as it is, and um, I'd like to see improvement to show that we've got a clean sport, and to kind of, um, you know, um, help inspire other people to take up the sport and know that it's clean, and know that you can do it clean.
1: Mm, Nice. I'm looking forward to an awesome females' race out there. It's going to be a cracker, and um, we wish you all the best for your race. And um, yeah, we'll see you out there on the Queen K somewhere. Thank you.
0: Okay, Jumbo. Let's do, let's do a bit in there. Let's give some love to the people who love us.
1: Endurance Sport Travel, and I, I literally said to Bevan, they've just uh, sent me through their um, sort of October, November newsletter, and they still have openings. If, if uh, As we said before, people who did, uh, or didn't, didn't do um, Tahoe, or for whatever reason, maybe, jeez, Bevan, you're right over there? He's surviving? God. Uh, they have got spaces at Ironman Florida, they've got some spaces at Ironman Arizona and they also have spaces at Ironman Cozumel so if you're keen on those three races uh, or if you're over in Kona maybe listening to this and you want to do try to get a cheeky qualification in for next year um, great opportunity, get yourself looked after and then they have the list of all the races they're going to on the other side and it's not just Ironmans, they've got a bunch of 70.3s like the Kona 70 or the, the Honu 70.3 here in Hawaii, St. Croix which is supposed to be just a spectacular race as is San Juan and then uh, yeah, all the European races, Switzerland, Sweden um, then they've got the Canada, they've got 70.3 Worlds Miami 70.3, so it's not just the Ironmans and as we keep saying, you basically rock up at the airport get your bike on the plane and then turn up the other end and you don't have to do anything.
0: Well do you know what was really cool, I was speaking to Moose Hearing and Rob Green who were at the Axlon A- 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 Challenge and um, they only qualified 7 weeks ago Mm. And my my question was to them, how the crap do you sort out Kona mm. seven weeks out from the race? They mm. go endurance you know, sports great travel. Yeah, <laughs> and it was you know it was like there's the answer. And, yeah. you know, and so for them instead of. Which I imagine would be pretty stressful. But, you know, if you qualify seven weeks for Kona, hmm. that's a because pr- it's pretty tough to plan this trip. Yeah, you so. know, and so you know for these guys, they just like got insurance sports, travel straight onto it, and no stress, and they're here. In- and
1: they both qualified at uh, Mont Blanc. Yeah. and they're both on you know reasonably heavy wife duty this week as well. Yeah. Um and so by the way, it's are heavy.
0: <laughs> oh John
1: It's oh, wrong <laughs> So that's the cool thing That that, that they can go out and do a bit of training And then um, they've got family activities Where they can take the kids and the wives and stuff out While you go out and do other stuff So that's one of the, the big perks of it all So check it out EnduranceSportTravel.com
0: Okay team, let's get back to the interviews Okay, Marky P New champion We've got, we got, we got, we got two winners But one didn't have the wetsuit So Arnold took out the win But
11: didn't have the wetsuit So well done on the win Thank you very much. I think this is the win I'm the most proud of. Yeah, yeah. It, it,
9: un, understandable.
11: Yeah, it was a tough day. I mean rough in the water. I mean I don't know what the people were doing, but everybody was swimming against us. Yeah. yeah. It's I, almost like they set us up against us, isn't it? Yeah. yeah yeah yeah. I think I kissed the biggest guy in the water and uh and then it was a bit of a carnage at the beginning of the run to be honest. <laughs>
8: And then Marky e. P is the official winner because he did wear the So I saw you coming back, mate. You were laying it down, weren't you? Oh, I was suffering. That was the hardest, hardest race ever. Hardest Ironman, a lot harder than Kona. I actually think they should probably cancel Kona and so. just have this race. Yes, this is much tougher.
0: You know, like the honour, you know, imagine paparazzi. Yes. Um, people on the street is going to stop you now. You know, are you prepared for the intensity you're about to experience?
8: Yes, I am. Oh, that's, you are. are, you you are? <laughs> I am. I'm ready. Bring it. <laughs> By 10, <laughs> seconds <of fame. laughs> 10 seconds of fame. <laughs> <laughs> 10 seconds of fame. Marky e. P, you are the current. Blue 70 Equathon champion. Well done. Uh, thank you very much. Love your
5: work. Okay, boys. Post race interview. Post race interview. How'd you go, Rob? Oh, it was great. It was excellent. It was excellent. Yeah, I think. What, I... what was the strategy going into the race? I'm sure you put hours of thought into it. Well, I did. I mean, the whole season was based around this. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I felt like uh, I tapered nicely. Yep. Um, I I thought I heat. I thought I did enough heat training in the sauna. Got a little hot yep. towards the end and lost. You were pace. Really looking pretty hot. Yeah, but uh, but you but know. No, not not no. as in. Warm
9: just, or no, just good looking, right? Oh, yeah,
5: right, right. Well, that, that's for I mean, you got to do it for the ladies. I mean, yeah, if anything, so yeah. but uh, I think I executed well. Um, I stayed in front of the uh, favorite Bevan, uh, uh so uh, yeah. but he was struggling a lot.
0: Apparently, he had poor calf and uh, and uh, yeah, sick all last night, got no sleep. Oh, um, came in from hospital to the race. Apparently, oh, he did. He did. Yeah. he did. Oh man, well, he's, he's a tough cookie, man. Yeah. Tell him I said so. No denying it. <laughs> well done. And uh, you were kind of racing/slash photographer,
12: yeah, and it was a little bad out there because a lot of people were making excuses about. Pulled calves and not
4: enough sleep, and it was nice staying in front of those guys, despite the fact they were making those excuses. Just, just you, you come to an event like this and you expect people to turn up, turn up, and they all they
5: do is bring excuses. I wanted to bring some cheese to go with your wine. Yeah, no, there's nothing worse than person who make
0: excuses, I tell you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, team. So we've got we've got a double team here. See you guys. See you guys. We've got a double team here. We've got Tina and Anne and she's our general's girl. Um, so tell us about how you guys are doing the race.
3: Well we will swim um, with a bungee
0: cord. Oh wait, so I tell you, no, you tell us tell us why it will be more challenging for you to do the race than anybody else.
3: Um in some ways because uh, I can't see anything. But That's that that some ways, yes. I'll, go, I'll give you that. But in other ways, I'm really lucky because I never have to be all alone out there trying to figure out what to think because I've got a great teammate right here.
0: So so tell us how you guys do the race because I'm looking right now, you've got a, like a little chain that attaches you to guys together, and I'm sure that's how you use the swim. So, how do you navigate your way through the day?
3: So, on the swim, we have a, a bungee cord where we, it's tied around our thighs. Um, but generally we can just swim next to each other with it. There's not a whole lot to do with it, but if I get too far away, it'll pull, and and can just shove me if I get in her space. Uh, We ride a tandem bike. I have a carbon fiber tandem. Um, And on the run, we use a tether, which goes around both of our waists. And um, again, it's more, you know, if I veer off too far one way, it'll pull, or she can shove if I get in her space.
0: And and do you do, like, like in cycling, And do you do, like, um, you know, do you let her know the kind of Puts on the road and stuff like that, because that must be a big thing.
3: Well, when I forget to tell her that there's a bump coming up, she gets a little angry because yeah, she kind of like, mm, right. yeah, so I, I try to keep up on that, yeah, yeah. And the aid stations, for example, you know, I have to ask her what she needs, and then when we go through the aid station, i got to grab water, pass it back to her, and then grab water for me, so, you know, we have to really navigate those aid stations and get, get, get what we need for both of us. know so. So, have you done an Ironman before? This will be number six.
0: Oh, wow, so you're like old hand. And what's your
3: PB for an Ironman? thirteen forty five or so. I don't remember exactly what it was. And, and what's
0: the goal for this weekend?
3: To finish and have a good time. Yep. And uh and,
0: and for you, you know you, you seem to love doing this kind of supporting people in, in this kind of situation. What's what's what,
3: what what do you get out of it? You know I really try to be ambassador because I just see what so many of these uh, physically challenged athletes have accomplished, and so I really want to open up doors for them and give them more opportunities, so that we can get more people like Tina into the sport and, and, and healthy fitness fitness lifestyle. Tina, you know, like
0: I'm sure you know
3: how long how long you've been blind for? All my life.
0: Okay, so so you know you don't know, probably don't see it as a disability in your own mind. You know, it's just the way you've lived life. Do do um, what has triathlon given to you in just kind of in your own sense of self?
3: Well, it's given me this great community of people that, I mean, when you come out here to Ironman, people are all so supportive and friendly and fun. And just being here this week has been amazing because everybody is, um, I mean, I know that there are a-holes in this sport like any other, but I don't tend to encounter them. I mean, when when I see people out here, we all support each other.
0: Well, good luck for the weekend, girls. I'm sure you'll be out there dominating the dojo. Thank
3: Thank you.
1: Thank you. Okay, what day is it now, Phil? today's uh, sunday so we're less than a week out from the race and today's guest is a bit of a 70.3 specialist he's had a bronze medal at 70.3 last year he's uh won like about a gazillion boulder 70.3s, one won ironman wisconsin port macquarie bunch of other races podiums all over the world his name's joe gambles welcome along the show joe thank you um Look, realistically, uh, Ironman athletes seem to hog the limelight in terms of profile. So, you know, you've had a bloody stellar 70.3 career, but I'm picking there's going to be quite a few people out there that don't know too much about you. So maybe just fill us in on your your basics, where you're from, your age, and where you're based.
10: Yeah, well, I'm... I grew up in Tasmania, in Australia. Uh, I was actually born in the UK, um, Mm -hmm. but migrated to Australia when I was three years old with my family.
1: Handy to have the dual passport. It is. It's
10: very handy, (laughs) especially with uh, um, the career I've chosen with traveling the world. So having the European passport does come in handy. Uh, And yeah, I grew up uh, in Tassie, as I said, and sport was sort of a big part of my childhood. And I went from being sort of a runner to finding triathlon in my early teens to sort of committing to the like a junior elite races up until like I was 18,
9: 19.
10: Mm. I did my first uh, half Ironman when I was maybe 21 at Shepparton Mm. and got second in my first one and thought maybe this is a better distance for me because my swim wasn't quite there over the Olympic distance and I'd always be playing catch up. Mm. So I kept persevering with the Olympic distance for a couple more years uh, knowing that it would increase my speed and which is the way the sport's progressing in 70.3. You want to keep that speed there. Um, and then I moved full-time to 70.3 racing when I was about 26, nice. and uh, yeah, kept going, moved to Boulder in 2008 and haven't left, and yeah, and uh, just been racing mainly in America, but try and get over to Europe when I can and race there and pick all the big races around the world.
1: Cool. So do you get any, I mean, I know uh, Triathlon Australia gets slagged off all the time for not supporting their <laughs> athletes correctly. What's, what's, what was your take, given that you probably weren't t- quite there with the swimming, are you of going, well... If I was in their shoes, would I be supporting me? Did you get any support from them?
10: Uh, No. No. I was in the Tasmanian Institute of Sport for maybe one year, maybe two. Mm. And because I did a 70.3, just as a, like more as a training day, Mm. um, they saw that as an indication that I wasn't 100% committed to the uh, the Olympic distance Mm. program and going to the Olympics for Australia. Then they dropped me and then put athletes in that weren't even They actually, to be completely honest, they put Richie Port in as a triathlete as he just decided to become a full-time cyclist. (laughs) So, here's me trying to make it as a triathlete and uh, Richie Port's just decided to go to cycling, which was obviously a very good decision and he's on the triathlon program and we're we're good friends and uh, yeah, we just sort of laugh about it now. But um, yeah, so... Could he
1: swim and bike? He was a very,
10: very good swimmer and actually not... not, He was a good biker, but not that great and... Um, yeah he raced well over age group and um i finished first or second in age group races on the national series until he was 18 19 and then he basically quit all sport and then thought well i'll ride my bike and quickly made a quick transition obviously to being one of the best cyclists in the world so yeah it was it's a funny system in australia i don't i don't think it's much better now in terms of supporting their long course athletes but we don't we don't really need it we've got guys like Craig Alexander and Marinda Carfrey and to look up and to look look up to and they've paved the way for us. So mm. yeah. And that's partly we go to come to America because the support's a lot better here and there's more racing and it's more competitive. So
1: yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Richie Port, he rides on the, the Team Sky, and he's one of the, the key domestiques. Now, you said you're now based in Boulder. It must be an absolute zoo up there now, because just about every person that's been here is, seems to be based in Boulder. Is Do you guys train together, or, or do, do your own gig? Um,
10: look, no, I try and train with just a couple of athletes Uh Uh, Till recently, when I moved to a new coach, I did a lot with uh, Richie Cunningham. Um, Now I'm under the guidance of Neil Henderson, who's uh, coaches Cameron Dyer, who's a a short course Mm. specialist athlete, very good swim biker, and his Mm. run's getting better all the time. Um, He also coaches Flora Duffy, who's probably the favorite to win the Xterra World Championships in a few weeks. So, no, we sort of do our own thing now. Uh, mm-hmm. Neil's very science background. He coaches a lot of top cyclists, uh, both European and American, um, and uh, also uh, Roland Dennis. Uh, mm-hmm. He's Neil's um, one of Neil's athletes, the Australian cool. uh, athlete who just signed with BMC. So no, we keep we keep to ourselves. Um, yeah, socialise with a lot of people outside, but train. I do what I need to do and. And then try and get away from the sport a little bit and yeah. live a bit more of a normal lifestyle.
1: How do you guys base yourself in Boulder? Because I know there's Kiwis over there and Aussies over there. What's what's your deal? Is it uh, in terms of staying there?
10: Uh, so depends. Uh, like I started just on a B1 B2 visa, which allowed you to go six months at a time. Um, and then once I got my, I guess my portfolio up to a pretty good level, that like I could prove that I was world class yeah. in my chosen sport, then you can apply for a P1 visa. Which is a professional visa. So, mm. I've got uh, I've got a five year visa to stay here, stay in America permanently. Yeah. Um, but I'm actually marrying an American in a week after the race. So, Crikey. yeah. <laughs> so I can probably stay as long as I want after after that. So, yeah. Um, yeah that's the general pr- um, um, process you go through. Uh, some people come over and do a couple of races just on a tourist visa, and then they go for a B1, and then they get mm. P1 if they. Are really serious because it's expensive to get, so really? it's a commitment.
1: Yeah, is your wife a triathlete or your wife to be? No. No. no, no, far from it, far from it. good yeah, yeah. <laughs>
10: okay. cool. it's all about balance. <laughs> it is.
1: Um, so you've had, you know, as, as we I as said in the intro, you know, you've had some fantastic seventy point three results, you know, medals at uh, World Championships, European Championships. Um, doesn't seem like you've had the same level of success at Ironman so why not just stick with your 70 point th- uh, 70.3s rather than potentially going to Ironman which might kill your speed a little bit uh it's
10: a, yeah very good question um and i thought that uh that it would kill my speed um but since working with my new coach Neil Henderson i think i've done more intensity than focusing now on Ironman and Hawaii in particular than i did before i was when i was just doing 70.3 hmm. so i th- I think you need that for the big races in Ironman and I'm not planning on doing any of the, like the second tier Ironmans really, mm. uh, unless I want to validate, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, which is a dirty word at the moment. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like I want to race Kona, I want to race Challenge Roth, yeah. uh, I want to race Frankfurt. I, yeah. So to win those races, you need speed, you need, so yeah. I trained like a 70.3 athlete for Ironman and we'll look, we'll see how it goes in Kona, um. This is a fast race. People mm. race the first three hours like it's a 70.3 and then it's last man standing. Mm. So I think that 70.3 speed helps, but obviously you've got to still balance it with the strength to be able to go for the eight hours. So yeah. it's a balance. Um, I've gone with the more intensity approach. A lot of people will disagree and say you need to be do a lot of base and you need to yeah. be training 40, 45 hours a, a week. Yeah. But look, that just wears you out and get yeah. tired and slow. And that's um, where... Yeah, like if I did go to Ironman and train like that, yeah, I'd be useless over 70.3. Yeah. So,
1: so what's your, uh, I had a look, try to figure out what your deal is in Kona, because I think you've been here a couple of times. I have, yep. so, so maybe run us through what's going on here, because I couldn't see any results.
10: Yeah, so I first Kona was uh, the year after I won Ironman Wisconsin on debut. Yeah. Uh, so I qualified there and then came to Kona in 2011, mm-hmm. uh, swam with the lead group. I uh, got off road at four thirty. Got off the bike, maybe just outside the top ten, mm-hmm. and can't really remember the marathon. <laughs> I ran like a three thirteen, maybe. I yeah. ended up twentieth. Um, big lesson, uh, yeah. I pretty much was pretty cooked coming in. I spent the four weeks after Vegas World Championships here, yeah. and I just was drained. I could, yeah. It's it just yeah blew me apart. Pretty yeah. much the training. Um, so. I came back the following year uh had a bit of a niggle in my hamstring um just overdoing it a little bit uh leading into the race and yeah didn't go i got halfway through the bike and i just could hardly turn the pedals yeah so yeah i didn't finish i could hardly get off my bike never mind put my shoes on to try and run a marathon so pulled the pin that that day and thought okay i'm not coming back until i'm i put this as a number one focus because even in 2012 i 70.3 Seventy point three was my focus, and I yeah. I qualified for for Kona, but mm. just because I qualified doesn't mean you should go. Mm. It has to be a priority. And this year, this is my sixth race of the year, whereas normally I would have done eleven or twelve. Yeah. So.
1: So in terms of qualifying, um, given you had a great race at seventy point threes last year, I'm assuming that's where the bulk of your points came and. Where did you go to sort of uh, to validate, or have you had a have you had a, good, a really solid Ironman somewhere?
10: So yeah, I've done two Ironman distances since then. Uh, two weeks after I got third place at the World Championships in uh, Vegas, yeah, I went to Tahoe, oh, yep. and got third there. Oh, nice! Uh, I didn't, did you
1: freeze your nuts off. Oh
10: yeah, it was pretty cold. <laughs> it was look, everyone complains about the cold, but I'm from Tassie. I, I thought it was pretty cool. Like. We just spent an extra couple of minutes in transition uh, after the transition after the swim. Yeah. Put everything you would think like you'd go out for a winter ride on yeah, yeah. and it was fine. Yeah. It wasn't a problem. And the sun and the sun came out, it was beautiful. Yeah. It if was if you're doing it. In speedos, but there was ice on my seat when I Yeah. Yeah. When I uh, jumped on my bike. So but if you're
1: doing it in the speedos in a single, that probably wouldn't be much fun.
10: Yeah, Tim Reed would struggle, I think. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't have gone too well. So Um Yeah, and then I did Challenge Roth in uh, July this July. year for the first time. And yeah, that's, that's a real race. That's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Like I, I want to go back next year and that's how you uh, bring the best athletes together and put on a great show. And mm. yeah, you just get so well looked after there. And I, I'll just, yeah, if I can, I'll go back every year until I stop doing this sport.
1: Enjoy that Solberg Hill.
10: Yeah, oh my god, you still get goosebumps thinking about riding up that hill. Yeah, yeah, the first time was better than the second because the second time I'd been dropped, so it wasn't. <laughs> right. It wasn't. It's, it's, yeah, it's more fun when you're up the front. Yeah.
1: Um. So when you're on the start line here in Kona, you yeah, know, given the the last couple of times have not gone quite so well. Um. You know, are you sitting on there going right? I'm. I'm bloody well here to win, or are you sort of just focusing on on your race?
10: Yeah, like everyone says yeah, just focus on your race and. Look, you either race to win here, or you race to get the most out of yourself. And like, I think if I race to win here, it could, I, I could, could possibly win, but the there's, there's chances are small. But the chances of me blowing up and finishing thirtieth are high. Whereas if I race for a top five position and be smart and pick the times that I want to expend the energy and times to really conserve, then yeah, if I have a really good day, I can go top five. And if I have a, a day that, like I did in Roth, I can go top 10. So that's really where I'm looking at. Mm. Look, it might be one of those days where I aim for top five and everything just goes right. You have those once in a blue moon. So who knows? But really, I'm racing for a top five position.
1: So, what do you sort of think? A lot of guys have said, um, you know, it's going to be, you know, frenetic at the start of the bike and then it's going to, you know, be a pace line rolling along and then it's just going to go ballistic on the way up to Harvey. Is that. Do you guys train for that? You know, so for, for age groupers, if I'm coaching an group, age grouper, you know, right, go out and ride five hours, maybe insert four by one hour at Ironman effort. Um, do you guys train that way or do you sort of go, right, I've got to get ready to ride at a moderate pace for a couple of hours and I've got to be ready to spank it for an hour? Do you mix it up quite a bit like that and, and is that what you're expecting from the day?
10: Uh, I I have now, like, mm. if yeah, if, you should interview my coach one day and mm. he's a, the smartest guy I know and I just trust his programs completely and from when I met with him 11 months ago that's been the plan the program is to be able to train to simulate Kona Mm. yeah as you said it's crazy people ride well above what they're capable of in the first 40-50k and then the people that are sitting there twiddling their thumbs when they get to that time and then they push it up to the turnaround, that's when the people that have overextended themselves just get blown apart and that's Mm. been me twice. Mm. So that's where you have to know your limits and you need to back off before it's too late. And Mm. I think with the adrenaline going in Kona and wow, I'm in the lead group, Mm. you're getting so excited. You don't really have that (laughs) self-monitoring as well as you normally would. Mm. So I think people get in too deep and then when their legs decide that they can't go on as opposed to what they know they're actually capable of. So, Mm. yeah, I'm happy to let people go. There's so many people that will pace this really well. Yeah, Uh, You look at the Tim O'Donnells and um, Paul Matthews. They have confidence in their ability to run through. Mm. And look, they might lose five minutes on the bike. But if you've overextended yourself five minutes in a marathon, you can make that up in Mm. 5K. Like it's So, yeah, I'm just going to... I'll really conserve as much as I can and pick and choose my battles.
1: Can you ride to uh, for the, for you guys if you're not on the you know if you're not breaking away and pushing? Can you ride to power or you just got to kind of go because it's going to be so up and down when you're going up a climb or exactly. your power's going to be all over the place,
10: especially with a big group at concertinas. So mm. if you're the last person in that group and cuz the rollers you you can be either hardly pedaling or going like 400 watts. Mm. So Ideally, that's why people position themselves. You look at Luke McKenzie, he was always in second, third or fourth mm. last year. And that takes out a lot of those big swings in paces. Mm. Uh, but no, like I've trained to be able to, I've trained like a cyclist, like because yeah. that first 40K <laughs> Nothing, is on, is off, on, off, on, off. And if you haven't trained for that, yeah, you just go completely lactic and your race is over. Yeah. Like in 2011, I felt like I'd done a, a criterium. Mm-hmm. in the first 90 minutes mm. and I could hardly turn the pedals. Like mm. my legs blew up and I'm like, this is, I've never done this before. I trained to hold X amount of watts for four and a half hours. And mm. once I got dropped and gathered myself 30 minutes later, I actually did do that, mm. but I'd been dropped. Mm. So it is, you've, you've got to be able to train for those, those surges because the people that inflict those surges, they've trained for them yeah. or they're doing it within themselves. And then when it really counts... If you aren't ready, you're just going to get left behind. So yeah. it's is so unusual.
1: It must be. I think that's probably what. Yeah, you see some of the ITU guys that come across um, and they dominate, you know, say so, so Bevan Docky, I know he had problems last year in terms of his nutrition, but I'm kind of wondering about Jan Fredino as well, you know it's probably it's going to be a totally different beast here to what he's saying maybe saw in Frankfurt um, for, uh, 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 you'd hope someone like him's had good advice, but uh, I think some of those I'm guys sure. might come across and just think, holy shit, because I remember Paul Amy saying to me exactly the same thing when you first rock up here, you're like, what the hell is going on?
10: Yeah, you Pretty much, the, all the championship races now are fast swim, and then they ride the first eighty, ninety kilometres, like a seventy point three, mm. and then whoever's strong enough. So you might hold three hundred and twenty watts for the first ninety k, mm. and then you, if you two hundred and fifty might be good enough, or two hundred and forty for the last half to stay with the group. But by then, there's already huge gaps if you haven't gone with the pace. Mm. So you. It's like Bert Baro notes he did so well last year, but he had he swims like three, two, three minutes behind the main group, rode by himself all day, mm. and got off the bike, even splitted the bike, got off mm. and ran the second fastest run, or even mm. the fa- fastest run yeah, maybe, and yeah. ran back to sixth or seventh. Yeah. So. so, yeah, there's a couple of options.
1: So, in terms of the run for you. Um, do you run to pace, or are you run to feel, or to tactics? You know what's going on if you're coming with a group, because I guess on the run, it's you know, there's not as much advantage running with other people. But yeah, I think it's,
10: it's really on how you feel. Um, hopefully, you get off the bike in with your legs in good shape, and you and you've kept on top of your hydration. And then I run off rhythm. Like mm. at, at Roth this year, I just try and find a rhythm, and whatever pace that is. I ran the first. 20 odd k in like 355 kilometer pace, yeah. and that was comfortable for me because I'm used to 70.3 pace. Yeah, and then it's a matter of holding on, and that's way sort of how Craig Alexander I think has done so well here. He's gone out at a pa- pace that he feels comfortable, which is six minute miles, which is mm. fast, mm. and then he just he's so tough mentally and so strong that he can muscle it out the last 10, 15 k. Mm. Um, so I'll just go. I run for as long as I can just under my, under my sort of under my limit mm. and then hopefully you get to within 10K and that's when you just have to hang dig tough. deep. Yeah, come really hang tough. The,
1: come out of the energy lab and just go mental. Yeah. In terms of your race nutrition, what do you do uh, for race nutrition? People love hearing about this sort of stuff.
10: Um, So I stick to typical like 300, um, 350 calories an hour. Uh, I generally just get it off out of... Uh, my drink i don't mm-hmm. take any solids because of the heat it's quite mm-hmm. hard to your body to break down like a solid food whereas a colder i like tahoe i ate like like a power bar or something like that to mm-hmm. like a yeah, granola bar to yeah just for something different but this you've got to really get your calories in from um the, the fluid um and yeah salt make sure i'm getting the about 800 milligrams an hour yeah and the run i take my calorie it's more like 200 calories an hour and a little bit more a little bit more salt yeah it's yeah just keep it pretty simple Pretty simple it's really it's about keeping on top of your hydration because if you haven't got the water you won't absorb the, the calories so you've got yeah it's amazing how much you need to drink here to be able to get off the bike like 80% hydrated it's
1: pretty hard to drink too much here
10: I yeah think. <laughs> I think you can just yeah pretty much keep going and yeah, try and get it in.
1: And you're a vegetarian as well.
10: I am. Yeah, have been my yeah? whole life.
1: Very nice. Yeah. Uh, have you got any recipe? you have? Have you got a cookbook? People love cookbooks. I haven't. I should. <laughs> maybe. I should.
10: Yeah. I'll, I'd like to. I'd love to get a like a vegetarian sponsor that is. Yeah. yeah where I could maybe sort of promote um, my diet, which has been my whole life. So yeah, there's definitely there's options there. Maybe when I finish triathlon, to go down that sort of uh, that route.
1: Do you get amused by all the the diets that are coming out these days? High fat, low carb, um, paleo this, paleo that. Do you just keep do you just keep it pretty simple. Just
10: yeah, I, I just eat healthy. I pick good good quality foods. I like if I pick up something and I don't know what that ingredient is, it's yeah. a fair bet that it's not good for you. Like yeah. all the different preservatives and stuff that these in foods today. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's not great for you. So yeah, I keep it simple and. I'm not picky with my food as long as it's not meat. Yeah, and I just yeah I eat just a nice balanced diet and don't diet like I don't actually count calories or anything. I just eat well and train hard and yeah drink beer and drink wine and yeah just just try and keep a level head. Just yeah don't get too too uh, carried away with anything.
1: Um, You you sort of talked about your sponsors um, and how you can get a better deal on the states. So. how does, for you you guys, we know the prize money is not fantastic um, across the board at 70.3s and Man and Phil had the uh, fishing show on, on the TV just before and they were going for $500,000 with the <laughs> winner who caught the biggest bloody fish. Wow. Um, how do you make it work with sponsors in terms of sort of trying to go the extra mile and actually giving them some value rather than just wearing their brand when you're out there racing.
10: Yeah, definitely. Like, I've been really lucky. I've been with Track um, for six years, and they're a great company to work with. I honestly believe they're the fastest bikes out there, and the support that they give me is great. Uh, yeah, look, they don't ask too much of me. They want me to concentrate on the racing. And the, the biggest thing about sponsors is they want you to be, do the big races. Mm they don 't really want you to go like they don 't really care if you go and win some cherry pick race that no one cares about. They want you to win Kona they want you to win world championships they the ones that the media care about mm. so that 's what I picked this year i picked all the biggest races I picked Roth Kona, Mont Blanc uh, I defended my title at Boulder, and really that 's all they ask of you they 're not they 're not hard hard work sponsors they just mm. want you to be loyal to the brand and that's what i try and be i try and once i get a sponsor and i do well with their product then i stay with them um Mm. and yeah i plan on keeping them for the my whole career so
1: so in terms of making a living out of the sport um you know does it work for you in terms of actually mate you know we, we look at some of these pros and i'm just shaking my head going how the hell do those guys survive um at your level where you're sort of one of the top 70.3s Are you guys make you know, able to make a reasonable living out of the sport
10: yeah definitely like if look i'm 32 now so yeah. if i wasn't making what i could make maybe using my marketing degree which was like i think i graduated 10 years ago now so <laughs> it's probably outdated <laughs> but i'd go and work a full-time job yeah. um but yeah i can do well here if i race well and stay healthy and uh, and I still love it more than I would if, like, if I was sitting behind a desk. So, yeah, yeah no, I, I've it's bit like it hasn't always been easy. And I think people go, oh, "I'm going to be elite pro," or and they think sponsors are just going to line up at their door. <laughs> <laughs> I like I raced in Europe for the first three years after I graduated in 2004, and I came. I think the first year I came back with my credit card maxed out, went home, worked two jobs. Paid it off, got enough for a plane ticket and maybe a couple of grand. Went back overseas, came back maybe two thousand dollars in debt. Yeah, came back, paid it off, and then yeah, then the next year I thought I'd made it because I came back with zero money but no debt. So that was that was that was two thousand seven, and then I was ready to like okay, I've probably hit my peak. I can't really do anything. And then uh, Leon Griffin, Griffin actually talked me into going out to Boulder, yeah, and just giving it another season. He's yeah. like, oh, I've got a place for you to stay, and and it'll, you'll love it. And okay, so I went, having to come back. So and then since then, I've had a lot more support, committing to racing in America. Uh, you get your name out there a lot more, and yeah, haven't looked back. So well,
1: things are going to change because you're about to get married, so you can start <laughs> earning a few more dollars. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Is <laughs> that right, Phil? Yes. Um, so in terms of if people want to follow you, um, what's the, what's the best way to do that?
10: Uh, on Twitter just Joe Gambles He's mm-hmm. my Twitter handle. Uh my my webpage is joegamblesracing.com. Cool. Which because of my fiance it's fairly up to date now. Nice. Yeah, she's uh she's always on me as soon as I finish a race, right? Let's get it up there. Have like, okay.
1: Cuz just about every a lot of the other pros I've been looking at there's like got their 2012 results up there. Yeah. Um no, so. I can't
10: get away with that anymore. So, but that's a good thing cuz yeah. yeah, it's uh like really we just we love to train and we uh that all the sitting in front of a computer is not why we do the sport. We do it because we love training hard and testing ourselves. So cool. But it's important that side as well. And it's becoming more and more important.
1: Yeah. Um anything else you want to plug in terms of uh you know, you talked about Trek or any, any other sponsors or anything that you you want to get out there? Um,
10: no not really. I think we've covered everything. Um I'm glad we talked about my new coach, Neil mm-hmm. Henderson. He's look, if I go well on the weekend it's a lot to do with him and a lot to do with my uh, fiance. So mm. they're the two that have been huge this year in keeping me level and keeping me on the right track. And yeah, so hopefully uh, it all comes together on uh, Saturday. Cool. And uh, yeah, and then go and get married. So where, where are you <laughs> getting married? In Maui. Maui. Very yeah. Nice. So I have got a lot of support this year. I've got like a dozen friends and family coming out oh, uh, to God. to watch the race and then another 20 or so coming out to Mau- Maui to help oh. uh, celebrate. So it's going to be a good couple of weeks.
1: Um, a question we used to ask that we stopped asking guests for ages, uh, wax or shave? Shave. Shave. And <laughs> if you were to train specifically for a fresh marathon, uh, you may have done this, um, what do you think you could pop out if you, if you said, right, I'm going to give it six months, train specifically for a marathon?
10: That's a good question. 226, right? probably yep. like that, 225,
1: yep. I think. It's a bit more realistic. Uh, our famous one was uh, <laughs> Rasmus Henning, and <laughs> he said something two twelve <laughs> 212 or something. Ridiculous. Yeah, I'd like to see that.
10: Yeah, <laughs> it would have been impressive. Maybe, yeah, see if he will come out of retirement and have a go.
1: Yeah, oh, it's going to be great to see um, if the Aussies can reclaim that title um, because you guys have been dominant over the, the boys' race for a number of years. So, wish you all the best for um, smoking up that field and uh, yeah, ha- reaching objectives. Great, thank you. Thanks
10: no for having worries. me. Cool. Cheers. Video
1: footage as well?
0: Oh, it's, it's going to be at the theaters next week. go, like team, we have got, got the the Pommie Invaders. They're coming over to take over, try to take over the USA again. You know,
7: Independence Day. How are we going, boys? Yeah, we're good. Names? Where are you from? Adrian Bardsley. Um, Adam? Uh, well, you tell me, Bevan. Um, yeah, I'm from England. He's, he's the one who I ruined
0: the age group of the week off. So I'm sorry about that. I do apologize. You know I can't read, so don't blame me for my
13: incompetencies. <laughs> sorry. And. Richard Lewis hey. from Wales and Gary Feegan from Scotland. Constant Deliverer. Yep. Hey, hey, how we, so we're, first time racing? Uh,
7: yeah, first time Kona definitely, yep. And is it first time actually at the race? First time at the race, seven years in the making.
0: It's a lot, you know, like, you know, seven years in the making is a long time to kind of try to achieve a goal. Did you know you were going to qualify at the race? Were you feeling confident going into the race? where you qualified?
7: No. Oh, really? No, not really.
13: So you just had a blinder of a day? Uh, I had a good day,
7: Yeah. yeah. Half an hour PB, so you know you can't go in there. Oh, th- that's not—it's just an okay day. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you can't go in there expecting that to happen, can you? No. I, I knew I was capable of it. Yeah, and uh, yeah. How much does it mean to you to actually get to this race? Yeah, a lot, really. You know, you've invested a lot—time, money. Your family's made a lot of sacrifice, and you know, I get to come out here and do all this cool stuff that you've read about and talked about and heard about, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. so I've spent most of the last two days pinching myself, to be honest. Yeah. And, and, it and, doesn't now, eva- and now the highlight, I meet Bevan. Oh, See? And you know my name, you're a legend, there's no denying it. Um,
0: I must say, does it deliver on the experience? Absolutely. Yeah, everything.
7: Yeah, and more. And it's, I'm sure it's only going to get better from here until, you know, right up till Saturday. Saturday. Good luck on Saturday.
6: And Richard, uh, so where did you qualify? Uh, I qualified at Wales 13, 13 months ago, so it's been a, a long wait uh, to finally get here. Yeah, we have
0: to talk about how that's an advantage because you can take some time, you can be a bit wiser in how you prepare. But also, it's a plenty long time away, so does it kind of make it hard in some ways as well?
6: Yeah, I think you, uh, to start with we made a conscious effort not to think about this, you know, 13 months is a long time to wait for a race. So, um, yeah, it, you know, it's nice to know that it's bagged, um, and you work on weaknesses <laughs> during the winter. And uh, now it's finally here, it's kind of, you know, it's starting to feel a bit unreal. So do you prepare for this race differently to how you prepare to other Men? No, pretty much the same I think. Yeah, yeah, same plan as what got me here in the first place. Um it's pretty hard to get any kind of heat acclimatization back where we are. But uh, we haven't had a too bad a summer. It's been dry to get lots of miles in, but not the heat and the humidity and the wind that you probably get out here, so
0: um, you're loving the experience.
6: It's brilliant so far. It's uh, it's it's something else. It's uh, it's another step from any kind of the big races that we get in Europe, like Austria, Roth. This is just like a bit of another level again. So,
0: you know, what? one thing that's been cool about you guys is you have done this very fortunately as a friend experience. How, how kind of cool was that?
6: Yeah, it's really good actually. Um, I've been in touch with Fagan a bit through Twitter, um, and one of my best mates, John, is out here, John Littlewood, he's racing, Uh, he's got a work interview, he's doing a Skype work interview at the moment, oh, really? so that's why he's not down here, but, um, yeah, my wife, my wife lands tonight, flies out, uh, flying out at the moment, so uh, that'll be pretty good when she turns up as well, so, yeah. Okay, well,
9: good luck for
0: the weekend, mate, have your week. And we've got the constant deliverer, Gary Fagan, uh, kind of an icon of the show, really, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, no denying. I think the show was made so I could have a platform. I really don't deny that. I actually, I saw you on, on Twitter before it was even existed, years ago, uh, this guy, he needs a platform. Yeah,
13: absolutely, hey, thank you. You. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, here just to soak it all in, no expectations, yeah. not in the best shape of my life, but in a reasonable shape to get around, so um, I don't think I'll be fighting for top 10, that's for sure.
0: There's, there's kind of, like I know for when I did Kona, getting here was always the challenge and then it was almost like coming back coming doing this race is, in some way, takes a lot of pressure off.
13: Yeah, it's a victory lap, really. Yeah. I mean, the getting to corner is uh, the big tick. Yeah. That's what you're fighting for. And after that, you, unless I would think, unless you're in the sort of top 10, top 20, you just take your foot off the gas and enjoy the experience. Yeah. You know, there's no point in coming here, killing yourself, end up in the med tent, not remembering anything, and thinking, oh, that was great. You may as well just come and suck it all in. That's my excuse for a shit time anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice, that was about my calves before. Yeah. Hey, um, the question I have is, on, on race day, do you feel a little bit intimidated because you are surrounded by you know normal? Normally the Man, the guy who doesn't qualify for Kona, is obviously pretty good in his field. You turn up to this race, and you're kind of back to the middle, kind of, you know, like you're a bit of a plebe again. Is it intimidating in any way?
13: No, I always look terrible compared to everyone else anyway, so it makes no odds. In fact, I get, I get great pleasure beating all these fit-looking guys. So, no, I don't know. I think you come around here, the hardest thing is everyone looks like a pro. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, like, you know, there's Dirk Buckle, oh, there's Rasmus Henning. And I, I'm sure he must be a pro. He looks like yeah. a pro, but he's just some guy from down the road. So, yeah. yeah, it's an intimidating place, but I'm just here to enjoy the craziness. I mean, it's absolutely lunatics. What have been some of the highlights so far? We're staying in an amazing place, like right on the beach, right on Turtle Beach. So getting up in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, is already full of surfers and paddleboarders, and just having your breakfast out there is cool. The weather is obviously amazing. I'm getting weather reports from back home that it's like storms and pissing down rain, and then you're here, it's just constantly beautiful. Uh, so just just the whole experience is crazy, and then watching the circus coming to town in the last couple of days. Like when we got here on Saturday, it was quite—it was still a bit calm—and in the last two days, it's just gone hectic. It's just triathletes everywhere. You get up at five in the morning. There's people already running down the road. Everyone's on bikes, you know, just until it's dark. It's mental. Well, good luck on the weekend, mate. Right, cheers, Ben.
12: In place. James, I'm from uh, the UK. And how long have you been here for, James? I uh, got here Thursday. So where did you qualify? I didn't qualify. I'm here supporting my brother. Oh great. Yeah, my brother's uh, age grouper. He won uh, his age group in Wales. And um, have you do, you do I mean yourself? Uh, I'm doing seventy-three point oh, three wow. next year, uh, but for me, mo- only just sprints and stuff. So, so you're a fast boy, out, yeah? Uh-huh. I'd like to think of myself as fast, but you know, I take a macro approach to swim, nice and uneven. On the run now, just now, I took a keen lay approach. Realised there's no cycling to go, so staggered to the end. So that was about it, really. Hey, Christian. You know, coming over here as a spectator, what do you see your role as? Uh, for the past few days, I've been rolling around in my brother's wheel, just kind of keeping him. Keep him fed and watered, basically. I'm his kind of bottle buddy. That's it, really. Uh, And then race day, um, try and rally out on the course, see him in a few places. Got some bells, got some chalk. And uh, yeah, we've got a family with us. So I think um, he'll get a bit nervous Friday, so I'm going to try and just keep him nice and happy.
0: Uh, You know what? I I know when I did racing... My family are very supportive. And would always come and watch, and and I look back on all the races I did, and, and the highlights really were when I'd see my family out there on the course. So I'm sure his, your family are going to be, look forward to, um, your, your brother
12: will look forward to seeing you out there. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. It's the same for me. You know, it's always good to see someone just even to the side. Just yeah. you get just a seconds buzz, and then you're yeah. back in it. But um, yeah. no, a long race like this, I'm sure he needs, uh will have a lot to think about.
8: So,
0: so to, enjoy the rest of your week, mate. Yeah, cheers, Thanks for coming along. Cheers.
8: cheers. 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 Name and place. Martin. I think last from the no second to last. No, 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 no. Isn't where you're from? Oh, where, where I'm, I'm from Germany. Oh wow. and how but long I you live been, in LA? Okay. How long you been here for? Last night. Oh wow. so you are here supporting? Yeah, great. supporting Justin there. Oh. Great. Yeah. Great. And how's he feeling for the race? I haven't seen him, but uh, Mark seen him last night very quickly. Yeah. I'm gonna see him this morning, so we'll see. So have you been here before to watch the race? First time ever. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and, and you've only just arrived last night?
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. So you can't really speak
8: too much of the experience yet.
0: Although you've done the race?
8: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not this one, but I've done Ironman before. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And um, so what's your plan for the week then? I have a big training block, actually, because I'm doing Ironman Arizona. So I'm okay. going to do a lot, a lot of training and then uh, some partying. <laughs> you got your priorities right, mate. Yeah, yeah. Hey, have a good, good time, Conan, mate. Have a good Name and place.
0: Don't tell me you don't talk. I'm not taking that crap. Your name and place.
3: My name, uh, Christelle. Christelle. Yeah, oh, that's
0: a good name. You're French. Yes, I am. Why are the French so sexy, team? Why is that? I you were know. Born this way. You were born this way. So, uh, so you're racing a weekend? Negatory. Have you do you do Ironman?
3: No, I don't. So what kind of?
0: Well, you look like a fit woman. So, what, what do you call kind of your exercise of choice?
3: Uh, watching television, oh, drinking nice. beer.
0: Wow, there's that beer guy. I tell you, you really need to. Oh, yeah, yeah, you okay. need to work on that. Uh, so you're here supporting?
3: Yeah. And you're PJ? Yeah. Uh. PJ's
0: wife. Oh, you're the wife. Oh, yeah. oh you poor thing.
3: I know, right? Yeah. It's not fun every day.
0: No, 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 More no, no, no. serious now. How do you, um, you know, like it's stopping an iron wife. How do you, how do you manage that?
3: I see him in October. <laughs> <laughs> Once a year. And you'll meet up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the rest of the year, I never see him. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Been married seven years. Works out. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Because it, it is a demanding sport, you know. How do you make it work, BJ? Come over here, mate. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, there's a couple,
8: you know, like, it is, it's a very selfish goal, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's, you just, it's a mix of emotions between feeling selfish and trying to accomplish your goals. But luckily, I've got a supportive spouse who backs me 100%, so. I in a wetsuit. Yeah,
3: it
0: runs in a wetsuit. Yeah, wet Can I ask, um, how do you make it so you give back?
8: Uh, you know, I You'll have to ask her, but uh she pretty i make pretty much every meal in the house. Yeah. I bring her breakfast in bed, yeah. coffee you know I just try to make her life as less stressful as possible
3: supportive <laughs> <laughs>
8: <laughs> exactly exactly because it is it is a challenge isn't it absolutely you know you just have to be the better servant and <laughs> try to it sounds like you have that commitment to making sure i'm sure i can oh absolutely you know i'm try to put her first all the time so if uh even if I have to sacrifice some of my own goals just to make her feel happy, that's all that matters. And, and you looking forward to
0: race day?
3: Oh hell yeah! Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, what, have you
8: been? You been before? because he's before.
3: Yeah, we've been here seven times.
0: And your holiday? Huh? And your holiday? Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. So looking forward to it every year.
0: Well done on the Equine Challenge. You did great. Love your work. See you guys.
1: Righty ho. We are recording now from the Kona. Islander Inn, I think it is, we're just you can, you, before the... You can hear the water in the background, John. And the nice Hawaiian music, yep. and first interview for Bevan, you're pretty excited. I oh, may, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but he's got the moustache, that's yeah, the thing. We've got uh, 29-year-old Aussie slash uh, resident of Boulder, Tim Reed. Welcome along the show, Tim. Thanks, guys, very pleased to be on. So... 70.3 this year, you got 6th place, uh, the world champs, 5th last year, loads of 70.3 wins and podiums all around the world and all done in the budgie smugglers and yes. if you don't know what budgie smugglers are, Google it and uh, you'll figure that out. You've got to tell us the story, why the budgie
14: smugglers? It um, actually started out, I was getting a whole heap of chafe on the run actually from wearing tri-shorts so oh, really? I wore a pair of budgie smugglers as a bit of a... Just as a trial and um, just seemed to lift things out of the way and yeah. no chafing and next thing you know I got a call from one of the guys at well, the only guy at Budgie Smuggler and uh, yeah, we sorted our deal when I first turned pro and it's oh, is that actually a brand? gone on is that, is ever that, since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a brand in oh, Australia. Really? Yeah. yeah. I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean he he makes all sort of out there the yeah. smugglers and yeah, it's his, his brand's really taken off and it's been Cool to have a bit of a different uh, style on the, yeah. on the race course. That, uh, uh, quite a serious question. What about the underneath kind of, you know, like the, the, the do you not get chafing from that? The, in cycling, when yeah. you're cycling, yeah, cycling. Um, I used to ride sort of like on the back of the saddle, like a road saddle. And budgies great. Oh. And now with the split nose saddle, um, it's it's still fine, but I use a bit more vaseline than yeah <laughs> than the average show <laughs> yeah than the average guy. Yeah. <laughs> have you got any uh, specially designed smugglers for the weekend? Um. Uh, they were supposed to be here oh. and um, nervously awaiting their arrival. So, And, and I have yeah. to ask, how long have you hit the moustache for? Since yesterday. I had a full-on oh, beard. You did? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. So I just trimmed down and thought, I'll keep the moustache for a few days. Because you seem a bit fresh faced so it wasn't like you could grow that overnight. No, not no. me. You're no. bit like me. John, John <laughs> yeah. you could do it in two hours. This was tomorrow. since Montreblanc. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so maybe um, talk us through Montreblanc, because I remember Terenzo, I think Terenzo was saying he was running with you at one stage and he slowed up a bit and I think he was 7th or 8th or something was he Um, yeah so
14: I actually finished 7th not 6th I think Uh, maybe my I didn't update my website maybe someone else has done it wrong I don't know I'll Um, take blame on that one yeah but yeah um, it's just one of those races we had where there were just some really strong bikers in that group and I swam quite well getting out with Terenzo and things like that but we had to put our gear into tubs which i wasn't used to Mm. so both transitions i had to go back put my wetsuit in a tub Mm. go back put my helmet in a tub and then i was just sort of behind so i spent nearly 45 kilometers chasing back onto the group and uh you know they were just motoring along and by the time i got there it was just hanging on and Mm. got to the run and i just hadn't i'd really worked on my running and hadn't anticipated having to ride literally olympic distance power for 90k and uh you know, I remember Terenzo and I got to 4K, and I was in third, he was in fourth, and I just slowed down. I said, mate, you go, <laughs> I'm cramping. And he goes, me too. <laughs> and we, uh, yeah, we both knew we were sort of going to suffer the rest of the run yeah. just to hold on, and we did what we could, and, um, yeah, I mean, I was, it's, it's a pass mark for me to get top 10 in that field was still a, a great result, but, yeah. you know, and I've, I've put myself in a position to go better, so can't be too disappointed.
1: Mm. Now, qualifying for you, um, I was trying to figure it out because I couldn't see too much Iron Man in there. Um, pretty sure you only just scraped into being here, is that right?
14: Yeah, I cut it pretty fine. I, I thought I'm only going to do one Iron Man because I had great points from Vegas the year before and enough seventy point three points. And um, and then I got hit by a car and went into Iron Man Texas with a lot of time off training. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just scraped through with a I think I got eleventh or twelfth or something like that. And it, yeah I yeah I just scraped. You like
1: you like number. F- 50 or
14: 49 or yeah, something like yeah. that? It was close. Tell yeah. us <laughs> about the car accident. Um, I was actually started my Ironman prep for Texas and it was 120km to a ride coming down the Pacific Motorway near Byron Bay and a uh, car cleaned me up going over 100km an hour from behind. Really? And luckily I was going pretty quick so amazingly I just slid down the road and the bike got crumpled and I, I didn't break anything. I just had a lot of grazes and a lot of um, you know, some real muscle soreness and things like that, so it was just incredible that I got out of it fine, um, especially at that speed like 100k. That's, that's that's everyone who saw it, the cars that pulled over, thought I was instantly dead, really, and just because of the distance I traveled. And someone was watching out for me, yeah. It was just one of those freakishly lucky things where can I ask, I
0: what did it do? Did
14: it kind of dint your armour and your confidence, like not in your ability, but as in like you know, riding on the roads? Oh, hugely, yeah. yeah. I've been, um. I've never been into indoor training at all yeah. and I reckon every second or third ride at least I was on the indoor trainer. Yeah, um, yeah, and even riding with groups now, I, I don't like not being in control and being as far across as I can. I mean, at the end of the day though, the guy that hit me was off his face on drugs, driving uh, in the really? breakdown lane. Uh. So you can do everything right and yeah. you're just unlucky. So, yeah. I'd, you know, given that I spend 12 to 15 hours a week on the bike... For the last five years. Um chances are it hopefully it shouldn't happen again in the next five or six years and then I can retire and sleep soundly at night. Yeah. <laughs> 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 more yeah. So did you get in in terms of your qualifying, did you get in on the
1: first batch or did you have to wait for that last ten spots?
14: ah uh, no, I was in on the first batch. Oh, oh, so, 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 so you kinda knew that. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was I did have a backup plan if yeah. I was um had to use it, yeah.
1: Um, and maybe talk us through your Ironman experience because as I said um you know when we look through every 70.3 you're at you're generally pretty high on the money and uh with some sensational splits tell us a bit about your Ironman and and maybe why you haven't quite transferred that across to to um from the 70.3 form
14: yeah I guess a lot of it was um I turned pro in 2010 and it was. I was still very much developing, and I still feel I am because I was a late starter yep. to triathlon. And uh, even though as an age group, my first few races were Ironman, I actually turned pro after racing this one as oh. an amateur in two thousand and nine. Oh, How'd wow. you go there? Uh, I finished second. So, nice. wow. Um, and that was that was a great result for me. I was working full time, and cycling was you know like most guys, you're struggling to fit hardly any in. And yeah. Um, So, yeah, the Ironman experience is limited as a professional, but there's been a few races there as an amateur. Uh, And I guess as an amateur, it's so different. You're really just pacing yourself. You're not responding to what other guys are doing. And Texas was a real insight to having guys to ride with and really Mm. racing the event. And, um, yeah, uh, uh, so, yeah, the experience is is pretty limited. So I'm here primarily to set myself up for success in later years and Mm. learn what I need to do to to be good here.
1: That, that's, a, you know, a lot of the, we, we sit there and go, you know, there's, there's X number of guys that can win this race and there's going to be 40 odd guys that aren't going to get a paycheck and so are you you, know, you are looking at this as more as a long term process rather than going, you know, rather than a money making process in the first year, I mean hopefully it is, but is, is that the, the be all and end all?
14: Yeah, I think um, in terms of making money, now it's so important to come over here anyway to meet sponsors and set up for 2015 so I was going to be here anyway Mm. (laughs) whether I was racing or not and uh, yeah I think I'm actually I actually feel like guys like myself are in a little bit of a position of power because we don't have to take the risks that the guys that are hoping for a podium have to take Mm. and um, if you look over the last few years if you can just have a steady race you can creep into that lower end of the top 10 Mm. um, without doing anything too you know amazing so you know, if, if things are getting a bit crazy out there, I'll probably just back it off and conserve and hope that the, a steady marathon will bring me up into into a, a reasonable position. But uh, like you said, yeah, it's definitely a long-term plan. I mean, I'm working pretty closely with Matt Dixon. He's not the sort of guy that plans out one or two years. He's looking five, six years ahead all the time with mm. the way he coaches. So, um that's, that's the goal, long term.
0: What was your sporting background? Because you obviously got into sport and experienced success pretty quickly, even as an age grouper. Where, where, where did you come from?
14: Yeah, funnily enough, I was played rugby and basketball oh, pretty really? much till I was uh, 18, 19, and then um, You've got to be a halfback or something, don't you? Or are a winger? N- you know, I was an inside centre. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> but I used to be 75 kilos. Yeah, so. see, Lomu, we'll call Lomu <laughs> from here on in. <laughs> so now I'm, yeah, 12 kilos lighter, and um, yeah, but I knew that I was good at fitness like the thing I loved about rugby was the fitness and conditioning at the start of the season and we do beer tests and things like that and and I'd always shine in those sort of things and be not so great at the actual game (laughs) and uh so I you know I had teachers and stuff at school saying what are you doing you should be running not bloody playing rugby and um so it was always in the back of my mind and then when I got finally sick of being too small for rugby and basketball I just started doing a bit of running and Mm -hmm. saw that it came really quickly and progressed into that and gradually learnt how to swim properly yeah
1: yeah. Um, and I guess I, I think I asked Joe Gamble the same question yesterday or the day before because you know he's got had great success at 70.3 as well I mean why not stick with just 70.3 or is, is the passion really there to, to do Ironman
14: yeah um, it's a good question because you know even five years ago though to get great sponsorship you had to be doing Ironman, Ironman. Yeah. and uh I also feel like there's a part of me that uh 70.3s is fantastic and it's great but you're also always looking for that that thing that you haven't achieved you know mm. like and it's not like I've achieved everything in 70.3s but there's always that bigger challenge with Ironman and getting it right and and if you do do it really well you can actually set yourself up mm. and, and your family up for quite a few years if you if you get a podium in Kona so there's always that big um that big magnet there to race well here. Uh, mm. In terms of racing Ironman throughout the year, I don't really have any interest. To be honest, mm. I love seventy point three racing. The thing that really sucks me in is this race. Mm. And
0: it's funny how it the pull it has, isn't it? You know, because you know you could have a hugely successful career and not even think about Ironman. But you know, even for a guy like you who, who sees
14: that and this appeal of this race, isn't it? Yeah, it's the history. It's um, you know, it's also the respect you get for. From everyone for doing well here, they know how hard it is, and um, I think uh, I think seventy point three racing is a healthier option and, and mm. a longer term option, yeah. and it's great for my and more with my family. You know, you can train yeah. exactly. I can do other things, a bit of coaching, and train twenty hours a week and have success. You know, so but you, to do that with Ironman, you can't escape the mileage, and mm. um, so I would want to do that, but only if I could, I'd love to do it once a year. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, so. Obviously, you can't do that with the qualifying system, but uh, well, you go top ten here, and then you just got to go validate something. Well, that's almost like last year. I really just had to finish one, so yeah. got to scrape in, and yeah. uh, so I hope to do that even next year and keep focusing on seventy point three racing. So, yeah. so you're saying, you know, like you
0: know, seventy point three allows a lifestyle that is more kind of realistic for your body and your family and stuff. When you kind of decide, okay, I'm going to Kona, what changes in your training and what point do you start changing things?
14: Yeah, so it hasn't changed that drastically for this year because um, obviously Tremblant was the goal. And then uh, afterwards, you know, it actually took me quite a while to recover from that race and the, the 40 hours of travel over there. So um, I think in hours. future years, <laughs> oh, by the time I got back to home door to, Byram, to door. door, yeah. Door, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... For future years, I think it's just consistently getting in the, the longer rides and the longer runs. It doesn't have to – It's I guess it's not a dr- drastic change to 70.3 racing and certainly when you're preparing for your peak 70.3 condition, you're doing a lot more than you might be early season 70.3 racing. Um, but, you know, it's, that extra five to ten hours a, a week mm. can really take a toll in terms of on your wife and, and just your your overall lifestyle so, yeah. and general fatigue. So – yeah it's just that little bit extra but it can add up if you're having to do it year round
1: well um yeah there's been so many bloody great australians in both short course long course who were the guys when you first got into it that you thought that dude's a business and i want to want to do what he's doing
14: yeah it's funny because i i dated a girl who um whose dad was very passionate about triathlon and he Mm. actually introduced it to me before i even started racing and um Talked me into Iron Man and bought me a bike and you know, all oh, that really? sort of thing. Yeah, That's yeah. kind of dead and all you want, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and uh so he gave me these old videos that of Greg Welsh and Brad Bevan racing the um to his blue oh. formats like, yeah. you know the Endura John's format. getting excited. John's getting excited. Uh, and I just I just fell in love with it. I was like, this is awesome, you know, so fast and exciting, and watching the crowds there, and um and to be honest, like Ironman didn't excite me that much compared no. to that. Yeah. And then I learned more about those guys and and finding more about more out about Greg Welsh and what he did in Hawaii and that's when I started getting interested in the Ironman was more the characters of the sport that interested me in the race um not vice versa you know so uh so yeah and then I mean I think I watched Macker when he's when Ironman Australia when I was still at school I, I went up to Foster and watched it and yeah, that was when it, the seed was definitely planted. I thought when I finish school and you know rugby and basketball and out of my system, I'm going to have a crack at this. And mm. you know,
0: what's the health of um, triathlon like in Australia right now? You know, like you know, because we think back to those days, it was it was a household sport,
14: wasn't it? You know, it was massive. Whereas you know, where is it at now? Yes, yeah, so I think seventy point three racing is getting really big over there with Challenge and and Ironman Asia Pacific are offering great races, uh, and Ironman's going well as well. I think um, from a corporate side of things and and the it's not the same as it used to be you know the the races i think used to make a lot of money out of corporate sponsors where it's now it's made out of uh race entries yeah. so uh, i guess the demand for the pro athletes is different and um i still think there's a hopefully there's still room for corporate sponsorship and and a more uh spectator friendly package that can be made up for to to really show the professionals, um, you know, that's what I hope will happen in the future but I think, I think the race scene's really healthy, especially at an age group level. It's, uh, it seems to be really booming.
1: Um, and you've you made the move over to Boulder, maybe talk us through why you did that and, um, and what you think of the place.
14: Yeah, so I really should update my website. I went there in 2010 and 2011. I haven't been back since. Oh, you really Um, need to update your website. Um, This is a common theme (laughs) on pretty much every pro
1: that I've interviewed.
14: Yes, sorry about that. So um, we actually had a – my wife and I had a son in Uh. 2012. Ah, Sorry, 2012. And uh, (laughs) so – I couldn't really disappear for four to six months anymore so now I just do two or three week trips to the states right and we're pretty much based out of Byron most of the year um which actually worked out great I, I struggled with altitude in Boulder mm. I, I'm not good at training really easy I've mm. just from that age group mentality where I was fitting an hour of training in the morning an hour at night I'm used to just training hard and mm. uh you know you can't train hard there too mm. much or you just end up digging yourself a huge hole and both years that I went there I'd have two shocking races and one randomly great race and then yeah. you know, you couldn't predict it. So I actually don't think I'd rush back to altitude. I seem to respond better to training in the heat, mm-hmm. which seems to give you a lot of the same benefits. So mm. um yeah, Boulder was great in terms of lifestyle but I didn't actually find it worked for me in terms of performance.
0: Can I can I ask, you know, like um you know one thing that John and I have been talking about a lot recently is, you know, the life of the pro. Um and you know, it's one thing to be a pro who has no responsibilities, you know, you kinda live on the bones of your ass. And, but you know, obviously, once you have a kid and you know wife had yeah, a
1: high spending wife like high sp- sp- yeah yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, um <laughs> I'm not sure if he said that, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know like um how does it shift in the sense of
14: responsibility to your you know how does it shift you as an athlete yeah, um to be honest, i I always worked. Even my first few years as a pro, I never liked living on the bones. Of my ass because I was used to having a full time job and yeah. not having to think about money. Yeah, so the other side, didn't I instantly it? just really pushed the coaching side of things and was always had you know sort of twenty to thirty athletes on board. And uh, so when we had a kid, and you know I'm really lucky. My wife works as well, and she's not a big spender either. So, oh. nah, so pants. Pants. no, it's not my partner. You've, you've, you've <laughs> stuffed up. John. You've stuffed up. <laughs> Um, so yeah, but she—I mean—she took a little bit. She took some time off, obviously, and I just stepped up my coaching and and uh, cut down the training. You know, you just do what you have to do, and yeah. the racing maybe suffered a little bit, but in the big picture, it's you know it's what you have to do. So I've never really questioned it that much.
1: And have you got any training mates and stuff in Byron Bay?
14: Yeah, totally. There's uh, the Aeromax squad who I used to be coached by. Uh, Twenty minutes down the road in Lennox Head, and they've got. Um, Tim Burkle, Clayton Fittell, Joey Lampy, Brad mm-hmm. yeah Robbo. Yeah, you know it's a huge group down there. So I just whenever I'm lacking motivation, I just jump in on their sessions, and um, they're all great guys. And yeah. yeah, it's been good to have them up there. And I've got a lot of age group guys in Byron Bay. So yeah. um, when I'm feeling a bit lazier I train with the age group guys and when I need to kick up the bum I go with the uh, pros down 20 yeah. minutes south yeah. Do you think
1: um, Robbo would have stepped up much from what he was doing over summer in terms of you know he had a, an okay race here in Cairns and um, it was sort of there or thereabouts in Melbourne do you think he could have, ste- was he starting to step it up or not?
14: You know what I think uh, I actually think he would have, Robbo is one of those guys who's he's a bit of a zen master yeah. and he knows how to, you, well he knows yeah. how to get going well for the world championships and his last two years have been built around Kona yeah. and uh and this year and I think it's such a shame because have you seen him since I saw him after it. he broke uh, his clavicle uh, yeah he it came and added? watched a couple of swim sets and yeah. it, we were supposed to be sharing a room actually oh, really? um yeah and no, I just there's something about him that you know he's a big race performer yeah and, and he can lift and um yeah so I, who knows I mm. mean he's one of those guys he could probably could have won it <laughs> you don't know Yeah, is he
1: still going to be coming back next year do you think
14: I'd say so yeah yeah, yeah. it's ticked their box hasn't it yep.
1: um, what else did I have Bevan um...
0: I want predictions like obviously for you a great day would be top 10 yep. you know top, top, uh, five. top 5 top
1: 5 5 push yeah, yeah. <laughs>
13: he's, he's pushing what
1: about? <laughs> <it>? <laughs> he's not looking <laughs> as confident as you're saying yeah. <laughs> what about the girls what do you think is going to go on
14: yeah I think the girls race is getting really exciting um Perhaps I'm a little bit biased, but I think Meredith Kessler didn't quite live up to her potential last year. Mm. I've trained with her, and she is an axe on the bike yeah. and um, and in the swim. Like yeah. She was stroke for stroke. In the. I mean, I'm not an awesome swimmer, but still, yeah. Yeah. I felt like she could have towed me up if she wanted to. Yeah. Um, so I think if she gets it right, she spent a bit more time here this year, a little bit, you know, especially a couple of weeks ago, it was stinking hot, and yeah. so... Yeah, I think she's a real threat. Um, and the you know, obviously there's Rini and yeah. all the other girls. Um Rini's going to be hard to beat. She's on a felt I ace, such a fast bike. Um, yeah. <laughs> you better not bloody get uh, outrun by any checks. That you know, if if she runs a 250 and yeah. I run a 251, I don't really care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do um wasn't it, um. What about what about the guys? Who
0: do you think? Who, who like if we look at top five? You know, like they say, you had your best day ever, and you got top five. That'd be awesome. But yeah. you know, you're not necessarily thinking the win now. It's more this future development. On imagine yeah. if you did win it. Imagine if you did.
1: Yeah, you did <laughs> this, Yeah,
0: yeah we, we picked it. Because yeah. uh, it's a funny year of the guys this year, isn't it? You know, yeah. there's no, there's not that obvious kind of two or three that would always say, "Yeah, these are the ones."
14: Yeah, I think um the dy- dynamics of the race sort of shifted from a runners race back towards more of a cyclist race the last few years, and now. I think a couple of guys are wisening up and have gone back to more of a runner's prep and are going to ride their own race. Um, a couple of big favourites actually have mm-hmm. sort of gone back to old tactics and hoping to run, you know, more like a 240 again. Yeah. And uh, so you could have two races going out there, the front the front group just mm-hmm. killing themselves and seeing who blows up on the run and guys that are actually waiting for the marathon like the old days. So, um, you know, I think there's a couple of Aussie, I think Crowey and Pete, I think Pete's going to hit form in the right time at the right time. He's not overly confident like last year. Um, I think Craig uh, is I think he, it'll be you'll see him run through in, in the later mm. stages I think to be very competitive. Mm.
0: It has been funny just as you talk about Pete there. It's, it's been funny to think about Pete's public persona over the last few years. There, there's been this real kind of as you took, you know, like you know there was this period where he was kind of an up and coming nice guy and then we kind of you know people perceived him as a bit cocky and then once he won and then and then you know with not so much success recently. He's kind of become a bit more of a humble character. It has been interesting to see his journey just to the public over the last period of time, isn't it? Mm.
14: Yeah, I think, um, I think, like all of us, Pete's got the self belief. You know, mm. you have to, to be at that level. I think, and sometimes you open up a bit more than other times to perhaps put others off the game. And yeah. You don't always. I think everyone's deep down, we're, we're quite arrogant. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, you, well, you've got to be, don't you? Yeah. You've and I think you I can think, win it. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, and so. When he says the things he says, or I don't sit there and go, "Oh, how can he think that?" I just think, you know, no, I would we'll say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I really like Pete. I think he's a, he's a good guy, yeah. and I think, um, yeah, I, I'm, I I wouldn't be surprised if he does something special this year. Um, just looking at the past, I think he's coming into form at the right time. He's not a guy that can hold form for too long. Yeah. Um, you know, you got your guys like Gamble's, and even I'd sort of include myself, who seem to be at a certain level all year, but. Um, you know pete 's one of those guys who just goes to a mega really high level once once a year yeah. or sometimes twice so um i wouldn 't I also think probably the best thing for Seb Kenley was not being in peak condition for Mont tremblant yeah I think he 's going to be a real threat mm-hmm. um, on Saturday yeah. uh, and probably hungrier too you know, just that not having that awesome race just, yeah just sparks that little bit of fury in you and yeah, yeah. i wouldn't be surprised to see him up there and then um, Pete, Crowey and other guys running through late in the race and run, you yeah, maybe. I'm going to yeah. put my
1: spectacles on when I'm coming down. The, I guess you guys will probably be, you'll be back on the Queen K when I, I get to the end, I reckon. Yeah, probably, because you guys have got a big big head start on us. Um, I won't be riding time <laughs> oh, into you, that's for sure. <laughs> um, you never know. <laughs> in terms of uh, your sponsors, you know, you've, you've given your lovely felt bike a bit of a plug there. Yeah. Um, any others you want to or anything you're doing you're looking to promote you know you're still doing lots of coaching
14: sorry you're still doing lots of coaching no not lots anymore thankfully like the racings uh, and the sponsor support has meant that I can start to bring it down quite a lot and focus more on that uh, recovery side of things which I've never really worried about and uh, you know and and I feel like it does help with your racing absolutely Mm -hmm. you know Um, yeah I've been really lucky to get some great sponsors on board I've been with Silconi this year Mm -hmm. you know probably the most well just so professional in everything they do and shoes that i've loved running in for years and years yeah. um yeah i've got felt rocker wetsuits um mm. they're sort of exploding over here as you've seen and, mm. and cliff bar and i could go through the whole mm. list um yeah flight center have helped me out with travel it's just getting to oh, the really point it's now, good yeah yeah it's yeah, been it's, it's, it's been you know it's I certainly when I started racing pro I didn't think there was a, a possibility of really making a living from it, I just thought it would be a great lifestyle for a few years but yeah. now I can see when you get the right sponsors and stick by them and uh, yeah you can actually make a, a, make a living so
1: because been... that's what we often sit back and wonder is how the hell do you guys survive even you, you know you're winning plenty of races, you're still going well he's winning seven grand there five grand there maybe 10 grand there you're like well how do you bloody make a living out yeah
14: it's funny you know you look at the prize money and you know especially australians in the u.s you get taxed 30 percent before you even get the cash Yeah, (laughs) yeah so um but honestly you you know you can quadruple your money your prize money pretty comfortably with sponsorship bonuses and things like that so and guys are doing a lot better than that so there is ways to yeah, get by.
0: Do you have a manager? I oh, you, you use do. Yep, so super, super even Evan from BPM yeah.
14: Sport, yeah. It's important, but isn't it?
0: Because it is it, it's the professionalism that you don't have time to do that someone else can do to a really highly. Yeah, and
14: as important I've found is developing that relationship with the company as well. But sometimes you need someone to put the hard word down and go, no, actually we want this or, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and that can be a little bit confronting to do that um, yeah. when really you, you really grateful for everything you've done yeah. you've got already, you yeah. don't want to ask for more but it's business. No <laughs> but it is that thing because
0: I, I always think with um, often there's a position of power which people will abuse and you know as athletes we're just kind of happy with anything but they'll get, a, their return on investment is an unfair return on investment and to have someone who's the professional manager on the side to actually go no well this person is going to bring in this return for you so this is what this person is you know, financially worth Yeah, it's an important thing that you know, a lot of athletes don't understand. They yeah. just give themselves away way too below their value.
14: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I made the point of, uh, after 70.3 Worlds last year, of actually quantifying what sort of reach and exposure you can get. And it's amazing. I, I think social media does provide us with a real opportunity to mm, um, give exposure for sponsors. And um, when you actually add it all up and present it to them, I think they were like, yeah, actually, you are worth a bit of money. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So... Yeah, I don't think pros should undervalue themselves, but I still think pros, even two pros that are getting the same results can give completely different exposure according to how they play yep. play it, you know? So um, it's important that you factor in all the aspects of providing your sponsors value, not just racing.
1: If, if people want to follow you, where are you at?
14: Uh, yeah, so the Twitter handles uh, Timbo Reed and my website. Timbo, nice. Yeah, timreid.com.au. Yep. Um and I've started yep. on the He updates it all the time. He updates, updates it, all the it time. Every, updates every day. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd keep the blog fairly regular, but just the yeah, um, yeah. the info. Yeah.
0: Just two quick questions. Best part of being a pro, worst part.
14: Or maybe start worse than NBIS. Uh the best part's the training lifestyle when it's when the training's not too heavy. And uh, the worst part is the night before the race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just can't sleep. <laughs> and wax or shave? Ah, shave, yep. I have done waxing, never again. (laughs) That's (laughs) a once
1: off And have you run a fresh half marathon or marathon that you've prepared fairly well for? And if not, what do you think you could run?
14: I haven't. Um, Mm. I mean, my best in a half was one eleven at Vineman, so I'd like to think I could go... I don't know, it's different because the training, I'd probably drop five kilos and turn let's say <laughs> yeah. we
0: said look, you know you're, you're gonna next six months marathon. of your life. Fresh marathon. Yeah, we can fresh marathon. Yeah. And you're gonna drop. I'd that love to aim kg.
14: for maybe a two twenty mid somewhere, two yeah. twenty something. Yeah. Yep, nice.
1: That's it's comparable. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who um, was it?
0: Resmus, Resmus said two oh seven, didn't
1: he? No, he said two twelve. I think two it, twelve. Yeah,
14: yeah. yeah, I think that was <laughs> yeah. a, but a little bit break breakdown mm. before I could get to that sort of run
1: mileage Awesome. We're looking forward to uh seeing how you go out there. It's um it's an interesting race, yeah, really interesting, and you've had some stellar 70.3s, and I'm, from the feedback we get from lots of people is this race is turning into more of a 70.3 race than, uh, than an Ironman at times, but we uh, look forward to seeing you out there on the Queen K and giving you a high five when you come past. Yeah,
14: yeah cheers, and best of luck to you. Cool. I'll see you out there. Good luck, mate. Thanks, mate.
0: Attempts that's pretty much today's show. We've our uh, day two is done and dusted, and we've kind of done most of the work for day three, really, haven't we? So, who have we got on the show tomorrow, John?
1: Uh, we've got on tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow is Thursday. Uh, we have a short chat with Belinda Granger at the SIPO launch. Uh, we're off today. I did see
0: her and Bloom Hillary. They must have yeah. a chick, chick camp, today. Oh, uh, no, it'll be the women's breakfast, maybe. Uh, okay, well, no, yeah. they're going for a swim, right? No. You're looking, the girls are looking sharp
1: Yeah are looking sharp So and then today we're off to do meet Corrine Abraham at the U Place team We might grab one or two of the other athletes there Last night we interviewed Terenzo as well um, Caroline Steffen And Bevan will be going out on the coffee boat tomorrow So catch a couple of people there And we'll also have the interviews from the Expos tomorrow as well Yeah So
0: so Some more man on the street Stuff tomorrow as well And also We're we going to do The media conference on, for, We release it Friday So that, come on Friday day before the race um, For those overseas It might be Saturday Where you are mm-hmm. um, We'll be releasing The media conference So we'll kind of Do the show and We're going to have Gene We're going to have Mecca And all those types of people On the Friday But then uh, we'll also release The whole media conference As we always do We'll just put a mic By the speakers And you guys can <laughs> You can go to sleep
1: Pretty much <laughs> hey. Hey, Although we, we tend to
0: ask The best questions At the media conference oh. Don't we
1: like, It is a It's not a particularly enjoyable activity for us over here. No, it's not. (laughs) You sit around and wait for ages... Again, not complaining, just saying how it is. Uh, you sit around and wait for ages and the pros come in and you get all these most boring questions.
0: Although it, it also depends on who's at the table yes. because a lot of the pros just kind of give stock standard boring answers and you just need one or two good pros who are a bit more not afraid. Like Ken is good like that, you mm. know. Crow is always pretty good. Macca, if you got although with I never really was in a media conference when Macca did it. But, um, you know, those types of people who are willing to kind of speak their mind and not to go, oh, you know, I'm trying my hardest. Mm.
1: I'm just going to conserve and... I don't do, worry we can do my day
0: yeah we <laughs> do so um so that's on tomorrow John what, how are you feeling now three days from race good
1: yep so today we had I had a little swim 30 minute swim with some 50 meter or 50 stroke efforts in the water this morning where in my new pZ not the PZ3 anymore, the PZ4TX, and then later on today we'll just pop out for an hour ride with a couple of sort of two-minute efforts at half Ironman pace. So one of the key things this week is a lot of people just just try to start training easy all the time yeah. and um you just kind of get a bit bulked down so you don't you certainly don't want to be looking to improve your fitness but you do just enough just a bit of race pace stuff above race pace but um no maximum efforts or anything for me and then a short little run off the bike and certainly doesn't feel as hot today no um, it's not is it no. no you know what in the equathon challenge yeah i was pretty warm
0: <laughs> yeah i was running longer like, because this year i didn't push it hard because of my calf but I was thinking there's no fun in this <laughs> there's, there's definitely no fun in this I will say it's very interesting you know because I've been away from the sport as a competitor for such a long time you you kind of forget of this the free time you have the week before the race and it's interesting for you because you know you've had a job to do which has probably mm. occupied your time but for like guys like Phil who's staying with us you know you, I think one thing that's really important on race week is to to have, to bring some things that are going to fill your time in your downtime because there is always going to be probably two or three hours a day that's Concerned with a bit of training A little bit of
1: race stuff And basically after that You're just going to be on your butt all day Aren't you? Well most races you don't come this early So you come in on maybe Wednesday And yeah. then you've got three days to occupy yourself Which you can cope with You know, read a book and watch a bit of TV But when you come this far out um, Yeah, you piss far around a yeah, lot
0: Yeah, you really do So, you know, just for those who are thinking about doing a race where you're going away, Make sure you do kind of plan that time-wise Because it's you get a bit bored and get a bit, play,
1: mm.
9: you know
0: like, oh, I know when I came to Koma, Kona, Kona, race is that? Just down the road. Oh, yeah, it's a different island. Yeah, that's yeah. the way, yeah, yeah. The, the, the biggish island. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I came here, I was here for, like, two weeks by myself, and my family yeah. came the Wednesday before the race, and I was pretty ball crap. <laughs> you know, and I think I ate way too much, too, <laughs> because just kind of, you know. So anyway. Um, okay, guys, so just one thing. If you are on Twitter or Facebook, um, share the word about the shows that we're getting out there. Lots of people love it. Sponsors, John.
1: We have endurance sports travel. Uh, they're doing a fantastic job of making
0: people's race experiences amazing.
1: Lava Java, I can almost taste that. It's almost so as ap- worth coming to the race to go there. It does get very busy in race week, but but uh, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, if you if you're strategic about it, it's not it's not a problem. But if you go at like eight thirty in the morning, there's a queue out the door. But if you go sort of mid mid late morning bef- before the lunch rush, before the dinner rush, it's all good. Prior to prior to race week, it's sweet. You just go any time, but it's good stuff. Good, good, quick service. We so say
0: bike works and Kona. If you're ever going to come to Kona, make sure you knock on the door and say, "Hey, I listen to you guys on AM Talk." Jumbo other normal sponsors, Extreme Endurance. Get your electric buffer. We're handing that out today, weren't we? We were loving it. Athlinks dot um, This swear bag was pretty good today, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, they got a little timing chip. And Swag bag, considering yeah. they didn't even pay an entry. Yeah. You know, we'll lose yeah. the money on this race, John. Yeah. Uh, athletics.com, put your social networking for athletes.
1: And of course, Coffees of Hawaii, where it all kicked off today. I had my little charge before the boat. Yeah. Before nice, the race. Nice. Uh, nice. But, <laughs> Maybe they gave you something other than coffee because it doesn't sound like you got the kick off the line you no, needed. No, I did it, but there was more taped on. Dave Ton, yeah. Dr. Good.
0: You're off the team. <laughs> <Are> you- <laughs> um,
1: I will say, um, what was I going to say? I will say that if you want to come and have a bit of Kona experience, if you're liking what you're hearing, you want to come and see what the Big Island's all about, I am running my camp next May which incorporates a 70.3 week week long camp, there is still a couple of spaces up for grabs um, but it's good times and you get to see all the stuff we've been talking about in terms of the entire course and really get a feel for it so next time you're listening or watching you know the deal.
0: It's something really brilliant to add, and I've totally yeah. forgotten what it was. life-changing. Oh, I bet it was. It was life I haven't got a tan yet. No. Do you? Look- a Bazzoni, man. He was looking black as. Yeah, but he's, all, he's always that colour. I know, but I'm
1: normally a little bit olive, but he was yeah. making me look a uh, blimmin'. You are pretty pasty. I know. I look at it. Walking around in your undies. I know. I haven't changed my undies yet. We got a... Uh, <laughs> we had a, a, an email sent in with a photo attachment. Someone got busted wearing Speedos in the supermarket, Speedos in a singlet. It wasn't even remotely sort of trying to – it was it was horrid. It's, come on, team. It was horrid. People think we're
0: weird enough as it is. Come yeah, on, let's be honest. It's a shocker. You know, this, we've got to maintain some level of normality in mm. society. We're a weird bunch,
1: We know, and we're proud of it, but – Big bloody cruise ship rolled in today. I mean, what the hell is going on with that? Surely they could schedule it so you don't come in on race week. Those people are going to get off that boat and be – But will
0: they come to this part of town?
1: Oh, they'll w- they'll waddle down Roll down uh, uh, The f- f- first 200 metres Of a drive And then they'll waddle back But um, <laughs> It's
0: uh, I, went, I know someone I went on a cruise trip And they loved it But I said We definitely Were the young people there. <laughs> yeah So It's all good Okay guys So we're going to be back tomorrow Spread the word about the show Get out there Oh that's what I was going to say John Here we go Wait for it Wait for it Well no It's going to be good It is good It was just Thank you so much For the people who bought the book Because to be honest This year the experience for John and I has been a lot easier because that book system worked really well and it only worked because you guys got in behind it and um, you know, obviously we had our winner as well, which is great, but at the same time, um, you know, it's just a, it's you know, normally the fundraising works, but it's a bit of a chore and John and I ended up mm-hmm. losing a bit of money on the trip, whereas this year it's been able to be that you know, it's been great. So people who bought the book and you got your nicknames and stuff like that, thank you so much because you're the reason we're here. So thank you so much.
1: Nice work. Iron Rust. I mean, don't train hard. Train smart oh. kaha ka.